AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 400 for your Sunday, December 12th, 2021. I am your host, JD, from New York, and this is the OTS Venue. Thank you guys very much for joining me on your Sunday afternoons, wherever you may be. What a night, man. Last night, we had such a great night at the House of Glory show. I am so proud to be a part of the family that Amazing Red and Brian XL have put together. I am so proud of the House of Glory roster. I am so incredibly excited about the rebirth of the company. Hasn't been perfect by any means, and I'm always open and honest. There are Things that we could definitely get better at as far as the production side of things and how we come across on Fight TV. All that stuff is going to come with time. And I appreciate everybody that has joined us on Fight TV. I know there was a couple of hiccups last night with the production. Things way beyond my control, our control at the commentary booth, our control in the venue. Things just happen. There was a supposed blackout for a little bit on Fight TV during the Malachi and Buddy Matthews match. Uh, I know because I was sitting at commentary and then everything just went poof. Everything went off. So we missed actually uh, a big chunk of that match. And we came back in the main event or at least halfway through the Malachi and Buddy Matthews match. And then on into the main event up until the end of the show. But... I'm, a very, I'm, I'm very, very proud. I'm incredibly proud of uh, the roster, you know, and shout out to Cashflow, Ken Broadway, and TJP. They had an excellent match last night. A really great story-driven, old-school, focus on a body part, make that the story of the match, and show us that they are two great professional wrestlers. Man, Cashflow is the heart and soul of House of Glory. TJP, man, you know, the thing about TJP is TJP gets a lot of shit online, and I don't know why. That man is a fucking amazing pro wrestler. There's not many people that I put my name behind, but if you watch TJP in the ring, it is very difficult to find anyone as smooth as TJP. He makes legitimately everything he does easy. He makes it look easy. It's amazing. So uh, anybody that gives TJP shit for anything that he said in the past or whatever, man... Leave that shit at the door. This is his profession, and there's really nobody that is as smooth as he is. It is amazing. 
So TJP and Cashflow had a great match. I'm very proud of Charles Mason. My boy, Charles Mason, very diabolical as he is, Charles Mason. He hates the poor. But him and Evander James also had a very good match. And that was the match I was looking forward to most because what we're doing at House of Glory is we're focusing on stories and we're focusing on characters. And Evander and Charles Mason are two of the wrestlers that we're going to be focusing on moving on into that developing characters and storylines moving on into the future, man. So what they did last night was very good. It would be something that I would say on a Dynamite or a Raw or a SmackDown, it would be what I would describe an excellent television match. That was awesome. So if you guys missed that, that's one of the things I would actually go back and watch. I thought those two guys did a fantastic job. And shout out to Charles Mason, man. You know, Charles Mason is somebody that has gone through the tag team ranks. He sat through the entire pandemic. He had this gimmick as a, as a playboy millionaire, which has been done a thousand times. And the man is so in tune with what he wants to do that he's now transformed himself into something that I could legitimately see on any major promotion. And I'm very proud of the work he's putting into because when we talk about characters in the world of professional wrestling and you see him and the way he embodies his character and the facial expressions and the body language and the way he speaks, that shit doesn't come easy, man. That shit doesn't come easy. And he's got it down almost perfect. So shout out to him and shout out to Evander James. They had a great match. Malachi and Buddy Matthews, I mean, I don't really know what else to say about Malachi. I've spoken so highly about Malachi on this show. You know, I was a big fan of, of Aleister Black in NXT, Aleister Black in WWE. I, I stood for that man's defense and in defense of that man for so long. And I hated seeing WWE waste him away, as I said for years, that he was a world champion just waiting to be the face of that company. And they let him down. And Malachi showed up. And he was supposed to wrestle the Amazing Red last night. Unfortunately, Red got hurt training. I don't know the severity of the injury. I hope Red comes back very quickly. My thoughts and prayers go out to Red, and we need him back because he is absolutely incredible at what he does. Still, always has been. And I was very much looking forward to that match. That match will happen. Amazing Red versus Malachi Black will happen eventually, but the way we did it, and I was so grateful for Brian XL for including me in on the creative part of it. I told Brian my opinion. I'm like, we need, we need Malachi and Buddy Matthews in the ring tonight. Low key. He was going to defend that Crown Jewel Championship last night against Buddy Matthews. Pull that match. We can always do it. Do it next year. Let's get Buddy Matthews and, Mal- and Malachi Black in the ring together. And Brian, I mean, he works around the clock to give the fans of House of Glory, something that they will always remember. He flew in Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston showed up as a surprise to challenge Loki for the Crown Jewel Championship in the main event. That place went fucking crazy when his theme music hit, man. And, you know, shout out to Brian for doing such an amazing job working under the stressful situation of what happened. Shout out to Eddie Kingston to get on a flight from Orlando last minute at 3 p.m. and make it into New York City by the time the show was over to wrestle low-key. Shout out to Eddie Kingston. There's not many people that would be that dedicated to come to House of Glory and fill in for the Amazing Red in the main event and help out their family like that. So shout out to Eddie Kingston, man. 
I know a lot of people are high on Eddie Kingston and have nothing but great things to say about Eddie Kingston. I was there. Solomon was there firsthand to see that man fucking last minute come into the NYC arena and do what he's got to do in the main event. That is love. That is passion about professional wrestling. Shout out to Low Key. You know, he was uh, a man that had one thing presented to him. He got thrusted into something else that wasn't planned and he handled it like a professional. And they don't call him the professional for no reason. And I was very grateful that I was a part of all that. I, I gave Brian my opinion. I'm like, these are the best two matches that work out. And uh, that's exactly what uh, worked out. So I'm very, very proud of the way the show came off uh, on Fight TV and what we did. And we got major plans still to come, man. And, and you know, I, I want to shout out Tony Khan as well. I want to shout out Tony Khan as well. I, I mean, people can call me a shill all they want. I, I, I don't give a shit. These people have the IQ of a fucking empty soda can. I don't give a shit if you call me a shill or not, or I'm on AEW's payroll. I, I don't care. I don't care. You're a blithering idiot at that point. And Tony Khan gets shit for absolutely no reason. Tony Khan gets shit for basically being a lover of professional wrestling. And Tony Khan gets shit for being somebody that's out there actively promoting his product and his brand. I don't get it. And most of the hate's coming from the e-drones anyway. The WWE apologists that don't know any better. But shout out to Tony Khan. Do you know the night Tony Khan had last night? This man saw Ring of Honor's final battle go on the air without their world champion. Ring of Honor's world champion came down with COVID. Bandito came down with COVID. He wasn't at the show. The title was vacated. This was their last show. So what does Tony Khan do? He allows Jay Lethal to go in there and fill in for the main event to wrestle Jonathan Gresham. Jonathan Gresham wins the Ring of Honor World Championship on their final show before their quote-unquote hiatus. He sends FTR over there to begin a pro possible program with the Briscoe brothers. CM Punk has something to say about Ring of Honor. Adam Cole has something to say about Ring of Honor. The Young Bucks, Adam Hangman Page... Tony Khan provided Ring of Honor with AEW talent to make sure that their final show was as memorable as possible. And Tony Khan allowed us at House of Glory to use the services of Malachi Black. Eddie Kingston and Private Party showed up as well. So Tony Khan had a very busy Saturday evening and he wasn't even one that put on a show. So when people want to shit on Tony Khan... Maybe you should second guess yourself and, and, and think before you say something negative about him. You know, the fact that Ring of Honor's show went on the air and they didn't have the proper resources to give the fans what they were expecting and Tony Khan fills in and sends his talent over there, which I am assuming he paid to be on that show. Ring of Honor didn't have to pay them. Tony Khan paid them for just another night at the office working overtime. And then he allowed us to use Malachi. Eddie Kingston was given the green light by Tony Khan and Christopher Daniels to come to House of Glory. Tony Khan gets too much shit by the internet wrestling community, and a lot of people don't know what the fuck is going on. So shout out to Tony Khan, man. He doesn't get the credit from the community like he really should. And that's coming from me, who's not a shill. Jesse and I are very critical of AEW when they do things, whether they're right or wrong. So I'm not a shill. I'm just a realist. 
And please don't defend WWE in my, in my presence over AEW. I mean, WWE's got the worst product on television right now when it comes to professional wrestling. So excuse me for liking the better product. I'm a realist. Whether they are good or bad, I say something positive and negative about WWE or AEW or, or whoever I'm watching. I'll even do it about House of Glory and I fucking work there. Shout out to Tony Khan, man. He doesn't get the credit that he truly deserves in situations that occurred like Saturday night. Tonight, we're going to talk about Jeff Hardy and the situation that apparently has arisen because everybody loves to make a name off what I do here, man. I should be fucking suing and copywriting everybody, to be honest with you, for fucking slander. I really should. I got fucking publications and dirt sheets dragging my name through the mud for absolutely no reason. Clipping my show, trolls clipping my show for simple reasons, none other than to generate interest on your social media page. You see clips of my show on these trolls accounts and these pages And it blows away anything that they usually tweet or upload on their Twitter or social media pages. You go look up and down their Twitter wall, man. Nobody gives a shit about anything that they have to say in a normal situation. But when it comes to me and they clip something of me or they take something that I say out of context and paste it on their fucking Twitter pages, their social media reaction goes up. So much, I can't even describe to you the numbers that I see. So you're welcome. You're welcome. I should be getting fucking royalties from everybody that wants to clip my show and put it on their fucking social media page, to be quite honest with you. I'm glad I could be that little ray of sunshine in a fucking terrible day that you seem to be having. WWE sources claim that Jeff Hardy was not impaired at the recent Texas house show at Edinburgh, Texas. Or was it Corpus Christi? One or the other. Jeff Hardy walked into the crowd. Supposedly fan cam footage was revealed of Jeff Hardy looking lethargic or out of it. People claimed the worst. I said, let's wait. Jeff Hardy all of a sudden disappeared into the crowd. Matt Hardy makes a statement on social media saying that this is Jeff's story to tell. I don't really want to explain what's going on. I don't have to explain what's going on. The following week, Jeff Hardy is fired by WWE because he declined rehab from the company. We will go over exactly what this source says, and we will have to once again go over exactly what I said because people claim to think that I said something that I really did not. And I said something that was legitimately news to these people. And I clearly said that I don't want this to be news. It is not news. This is a topic of discussion for you and anybody listening to me. But people want to run with it and then claim that I'm an insensitive prick. Meanwhile, I I, I did a 30-minute extra, 20-minute extra on Thursday claiming that I have people in my life that are going through alcohol abuse and substance abuse as well. So I don't really understand the logic behind people clipping something and completely taking it out of context. There was 18 minutes of a video and you decide to listen to 30 seconds of said clip on a Twitter account that is merely nothing more than a troll account. 
All these publications and all these websites look like a bunch of fucking idiots at the end of the day. Meanwhile, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and you're going to end up watching me anyway. So who really wins in the end? Who really wins in the end? I do. I do. No matter how much you try and slander, no matter how much you try and say about me, that clearly is not there. I'm going to continue to be successful. Every single week, I'm going to come on here and do what I have to do in front of large audiences. Do you want to know why? Because I am the best at what I do. And no matter what you think I am, or no matter what you think I say, you will be watching me. There are people in the company legitimately watching me. And I'm public enemy number one. Do you want to know why? Because when you look live every single night after they're done work, who the fuck is at the top of the subscription boxes? Who's at the top of the algorithm? Me. Something's got to be right with this guy. Let's watch him. And that's going to continue to be a thing. I don't give a shit what you think or what you say about me. That's just the fact of the situation. I'm not going anywhere. You can try, 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 huff and puff to your heart's desire. I'm not going anywhere. So we will go over that today. And we will once again reiterate this out-of-context situation that clearly I'm not alone in. If WWE sources are thinking the same thing, then why the fuck am I the problem? Maybe you should take it up with WWE. Weren't they the ones that had Jeff Hardy piss in a fucking cup on SmackDown? Really exacerbating and highlighting his alcohol problems? No, but I'm the problem though, right? I'm the insensitive one, right? I'm the dumbest man in the world, says Baron Corbin. Sure thing, bro. Go grill your steaks and shut up. Coming from the guy that's got the worst gimmick in fucking WWE. Give me the lone wolf back. You know, the NXT version of you. The one where you had hair. That's the last time you were fucking relevant. And interesting. Good luck with Madcap Moss, bro. Maybe you'll end up getting released in about 12 months when WWE finds no value in you. Because I'm sure the fans think the same thing. Also, we're going to go over where Roman Reigns was on SmackDown, why he wasn't on the show. And apparently, Nick Khan and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, have a very, very friendly relationship. So we're going to go over that as well. And uh, if that is any indication about what's to come, I say we see The Rock at WrestleMania sooner rather than later. If Nick Khan is in The Rock's ear. So we will go over that and so much more today on the podcast, man. I appreciate you guys joining me on your Sunday afternoons. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that I've done on the channel, including the Jeff Hardy extra that nobody watched or nobody clipped because... I had people reach into my DM saying that that was one of the best videos I've done all year. It's imagine, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy that that one doesn't get clipped. But the shit that I said Friday, which was a mirror image of what I said Thursday, gets clipped. Go figure. Imagine that. Imagine that. Thursday's extra, Friday's SmackDown. 
And anything else that you might have missed on Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, I'm here every single night with these post shows. So go check out everything if you missed any of the content this week. We'll be back with a brand new week of content tomorrow with Monday Night Raw. Unfortunately. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. We got 570 likes in the live stream chat right now. Hit that thumbs up. Let's try and get to 1,000. That's the minimum. The absolute minimum goal for today's live stream. Super chats are open. Get them on in. Tell me how much you think Baron Corbin's gimmick is a failure. I'd love to hear from you. So make sure you guys get those super chats in. We will hang out at the end of the show as always. Go get your t-shirts. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of OTS. We got the brand new retro throwback designs of the OTS black and white NWO and the LTB long-term booking Wolfpack. They're available on Bonfire.com. Easy access for you guys. You guys can actually look underneath the video player right now and you will see the online store right there. Click the shirt you want. It'll take you right to the checkout and boom, one, two, three, you got yourself some new OTS merch. So thank you to all that continue to buy this holiday season. I really appreciate you guys very, very much. If you guys want to support via the Patreon page, you guys can certainly do that as well. Patreon.com slash JD from NY206. We got the Are We Live t-shirts exclusively over there. The baseball bat, beer mugs, and the new OTS hats as well for annual member signups. This Patreon.com slash JD from NY206. 206. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. You guys are going to use code JD at checkout for your free sample of Blue Chew service. We will talk about my friends over at Blue Chew a little bit later on in the show right here on episode 400 of OTS. A lot of people were expecting something uh, big for 400 man balloons, streamers, beverages, a parade. I don't like to celebrate anything, man. I don't like to celebrate anything. My 40th birthday is coming up in February. I'm not really doing much of anything because I don't really like to celebrate things of that nature. I'm just another year older. It's just another episode, another podcast. I know the amount of work and hard work I put into this show. I know what I do is legit. So... It's nothing more than business on a usual Sunday afternoon. But thank you guys for being here, man. 400. I'm glad I could be here for 400 episodes. Here's to another 400 for you guys, and thank you for all your support. Let's get into the news, guys. We're going to start at the top, and we are going to start with AEW sending multiple people to Ring of Honor's final battle. Bandito had to pull out of his match against Jonathan Gresham. After testing positive for COVID-19, AEW President Tony Khan teased, lending some help to Ring of Honor. It was later announced that AEW star and former Ring of Honor world champion Jay Lethal would replace Bandito to take on Gresham. Fightful Select reports that one of the sources that they spoke to indicated that they believed AEW was sending multiple people to show up, although that was not confirmed before the show went on the air. It was added that Impact Wrestling is also at least sending one significant talent from their roster to appear. And the show marked the end of an era for Ring of Honor as the promotion will go on hiatus until April of 2022 to reimagine the company. Tony Khan sent FTR 
Tony Khan gave CM Punk, Adam Cole, Adam Page, their world champion, the Young Bucks, free reign to say whatever they needed to do on Ring of Honor television on Saturday night. I know EC3 aligned himself with Braun Strowman or whatever they're calling him, Adam Scher, Adam Scher. Don't know the proper pronunciation of his last name, but Braun Strowman, he showed up at the show on Saturday night. Apparently, he's in a stable now or a group with EC3. And no matter how much we made fun of Braun Strowman, he looks incredible. And I do think that he could bring some value to a company. That's why I said, I honestly am surprised he didn't show up with Impact. I think he would do very well for himself in Impact. I, I don't think he fits the AEW mold. And there are others out there that I really do wish Tony Khan would look at instead of bringing in a Braun Strowman. So... Ring of Honor's final battle is come and go. Tony Khan, like I said at the top, he really deserves a lot of credit for really supplying independent wrestling with his talent. As long as everybody abides by Tony Khan's rules, Tony Khan is really showing himself as the guy that is bridging the gap between all of these promotions, man. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Everybody is collectively working together. And I do think Tony Khan is a huge, integral part of that. So again, shout out to him. And that's a, that's a pretty big deal. That really is a pretty big deal. And FTR, man, the most interesting thing about this is FTR just began a feud with Sting and Darby Allen on Rampage this past Friday. And now they are teasing a possible feud with the Briscoes. I do believe the Briscoes will end up in AEW. I really do think that's the case. I think Brody King is going to end up in AEW. I think Jonathan Gresham is going to end up in AEW. I think Dan Housen is going to end up in AEW. So AEW is going to reap the benefits of this Ring of Honor closing. And I don't know what's going on with the library, but I will say it again. I do think the library will probably be in the best hands of Tony Khan. And whenever Ring of Honor needs any type of help or talent, Tony Khan is going to be there to supply them with whatever they need as long as they abide by his rules. And I think that's a great thing. I really do think it's a great thing. So shout out again to Tony Khan, man. I think that's a beautiful thing. Bridging the gap between all these promotions and having everybody work together. It's not something that we're used to seeing. And I think it makes professional wrestling a lot healthier. And it makes it a lot more fun for everybody as well because it gets people talking. It gets people excited about not only one promotion or, you know, WWE or AEW individually. There's that excitement amongst everybody. Everybody shares that excitement. And, and Tony Khan knows that. And I think he takes great pride in that. He doesn't do it because he wants to build his ego. He does it because he loves professional wrestling. That's what people kind of misinterpret. So good on him, man. It's an excellent thing to see. The Rock. He reflects on his relationship with WWE President Nick Conman. I do not like Nick Con. I think Nick Con is, business-wise, probably a very good thing for WWE. The more Nick Con settles into his role as president... He will have a detrimental stake in the creative future of the company. I don't think he's going to be good creatively at all. Dwayne Johnson has opened up this week about his childhood friendship with WWE President Nick Khan. Believing that they have finally come full circle. On Instagram, Dwayne Johnson shared a photo of himself, Nick Khan. And Nick's sister, the WWE president, Nick Khan, was sitting with The Rock at what looked to be dinner. 
And Rock recalled becoming close with the Khans in Hawaii while his family were promoting pro wrestling shows. Explaining why he thinks it was fitting that Nick became WWE president and that his sister helped create the Young Rock series, The Rock captioned the photo that you will see on his his, uh, Instagram page, and he says this, and I quote, It means a lot to me, years in the making, full circle. In the mid-1980s, Nick Khan and his sister and myself used to run around as kids in Honolulu, Hawaii, every month when my grandmother would promote her pro wrestling shows at our local arena. As kids, we love the pro wrestling business, and as adults, our love and respect for the wrestling business has become boundless. Now, years later, Nick is WWE president. His sister is one of the best TV showrunners in Hollywood and the creator of Young Rock, our award-winning TV series on NBC based on my wild upbringing in the world of professional wrestling. And I've gone on to do a thing or two and become famous for rocking a fanny pack. Life is unpredictable. Amazing. Here we all are. Our Terramana toasts and amazing conversations were flowing. And then he puts in parentheses, one person missing. End quote. The only thing I get out of this, and I don't really care about a personal relationship with Nick Khan and Dwayne Johnson The only thing I get out of this is two things. Number one, the fact that he says that Nick Khan is the the WWE president and it's quite fitting, right? It's quite fitting. And as kids, we loved pro wrestling and the business. And as adults, we love and respect the wrestling business. You know, I I find that to be a bold-faced lie. I'm not saying The Rock is a liar, but Nick Khan does not love the pro wrestling business. Nick Khan does not love the pro wrestling business. Nick Khan loves making money in the pro wrestling business. He loves making money with WWE. If he loved the pro wrestling business, half of the WWE business wouldn't be fucking sinking like it is right now. If he loved the pro wrestling business, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown would not be as fucking horrendous as we see them right now. If he loved the pro wrestling business, Nick Khan would be doing things on WWE television to actively fix the product creatively. He doesn't give a shit about the fans. He doesn't give a shit about the way the shows come off. As long as he's making money in the end. So to me, that's a bold face bullshit lie. Number one. Number two, the other thing that I think about when I see this is Dwayne Johnson will be at WrestleMania before he retires. It's not happening this year. I don't see it happening this year. Or next year, I should say. Might as well be this year. WrestleMania in Dallas. Not happening in 2022. I do see him happening or coming to WrestleMania. I do see it happening in 2023 in Los Angeles. Nick Khan is absolutely in the ear of Dwayne Johnson to show back up and give us one more match. Because you know what it means for Nick Khan and WWE? It means money. They see money in The Rock. Nick Nick Khan needs Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson doesn't need Nick Khan or WWE or anything that they have over there. Nick Khan only cares about one thing and one thing only, and that is making money for the WWE. Us and what we want and what the shows need. He doesn't give a shit about that. This was a meeting that opened everybody to the simple fact that The Rock will be at WrestleMania in 2023. So you're going to get that Roman and Dwayne match at WrestleMania because that's the only match that makes sense 
to close out The Rock's career. And it will be happening in Los Angeles. And it will be happening because Nick Khan is facilitating this. And apparently, uh, this is news to me, Dwayne Johnson and Nick Khan have known each other since childhood. A childhood friendship that just magically came out of nowhere on Instagram over the weekend. Great. Great. We'll see The Rock at WrestleMania in Los Angeles. Triple H. I've been absolutely 100% factually correct on everything regarding Triple H. Don't care what anybody has to say. The whole NXT thing, the fact that Triple H was actively removed and blackballed and manipulated out of his position of power and how Bruce Pritchard of Vince McMahon took over the show and how everything is just a complete shit show. Nobody cares about NXT anymore. That Shawn Michaels is nothing more than a puppet to Bruce Pritchard of Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis and Nick Khan, only holding on by a thread to his job. Triple H is not showing back up to work. And he's also not ever going to wrestle again. Triple H is never going to wrestle again. And he's been taking a hiatus from his day-to-day job in WWE after suffering a cardiac event as he has left the NXT 2.0 brand in the hands. Or I should say he didn't leave it in the hands. He was fired by his father-in-law and Bruce Pritchard, which is now in the hands of Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. Shawn Michaels is the puppet and gorilla running the show based on what Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard want. Shawn Michaels is not in charge of NXT. He will never be in charge of NXT. According to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, it was said that Triple H is unlikely to ever wrestle again. He then mentioned the only star attractions who remain in WWE are Edge, Goldberg, and if you want to name him, Shane McMahon. He says, and I quote, I doubt Paul Levesque will be wrestling. The Undertaker is done, although Undertaker and Austin are are on huge money deals, as was Ric Flair, just to keep them as a part of the promotion forever. But he is not wrestling again. He is done. Triple H's cardiac event was also said to be very, very, very serious. We'll have to wait and see when... Triple H makes his return to the company as it is unlikely he will ever leave WWE. Triple H will never wrestle again, and Triple H will never have any part of the creative say in NXT on Tuesday nights. He was actively removed from power and manipulated and blackballed to try and take down AEW. He didn't. They used that against him, and that's all the ammunition they needed to remove him from power. Goodbye. You guys know the story. I don't need to reiterate it again, but Triple H's name was in the news. He's no longer a part of the active WWE roster. Like a Goldberg, like an Edge, we will never see another dream match from Paul Levesque at WrestleMania ever again. Somebody that I'm very excited to see return is Bailey. Bailey Tease is making an in-ring return very, very soon. Bailey's been on the sidelines with a torn ACL injury. That's been since July, but she's now teasing making a return in the near future. The injury happened when she was chain wrestling in the ring with another WWE superstar at the Performance Center. This was all because of an edict 
Vince McMahon laid down on the roster because they were set to go back on the road and he wanted everybody to get TV ready and work scrimmages at the WWE Performance Center before they went back on the road and moved out of the Thunderdome. Meanwhile, people like me said that working in the Thunderdome on a weekly basis was a scrimmage in itself. There were no fans there. They worked every week to get ready for TV, and Vince McMahon thought that working in front of an empty arena was going to make everybody rusty. But Bailey was on TV every week. Why would Bailey or one of the upper elite superstars need to go back to the Performance Center? Why would somebody like Bailey need to go back to the Performance Center to work on her in-ring skills and work in front of a, of a live audience or work on what she needs to do in front of a live audience? It was very bizarre to me. So she went to do these scrimmages because of Vince McMahon, and she got hurt. And she got hurt. And WWE's been without probably their top female in the last year, year and a half, because of an ACL injury. She had to pull out of her scheduled I Quit match with Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's title at Money in the Bank. During a recent live stream on Instagram, Bailey provided an update on how the recovery is going. People are asking how my knee is. My knee is doing great. My leg is doing great. My ankle is doing great. My calf is doing great. My shin is doing great. My hip is doing great. My mind is doing great. So, I mean, it's only a matter of time, and I'm not going to tell you when, and I don't want all these stupid idiots watching to know when, but I'm going to come back very soon. Maybe, you know, and y'all be better, uh, better be ready You all better be ready. End quote. Most people recover from an ACL tear within the six to nine month period. And Bailey was not drafted as a part of the 2021 WWE draft, which makes her a quote unquote free agent. When she does return, she's able to be featured on Raw or SmackDown. And just last month, Bailey posted a photo of herself with crutches. So she was still on crutches as of last month. I don't know where her status is as far as timetable to come back. But I will say this, and people have asked me about a possible Royal Rumble winner in 2022. I would have to say Bailey is an odds-on favorite to win the Royal Rumble. That's a surprise. And I would not be against that at all. So that would make Becky and Charlotte as the only two horsewomen to have won a Royal Rumble. Bailey winning the Royal Rumble would make that three. Sasha's never won a Royal Rumble. And I do think that all four of them at some point in their career will win a Royal Rumble. If Bailey is set to return and she does make a surprise entrance in the Royal Rumble, I do think Bailey could possibly win the Royal Rumble. There is legitimately nobody else on that roster that is legit to even get a championship match at WrestleMania. I know I hear talk of Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble. No. Rhea Ripley is as cold as an iceberg. Rhea Ripley should not be winning the Royal Rumble, even though she ended up as the runner-up in this year's Royal Rumble, the 2021 Royal Rumble. Bianca's already won a Royal Rumble. Liv Morgan's not winning the Royal Rumble. From what I see, I, I think Liv Morgan may be dropping the Women's Championship to Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble. Because I do think we get a day one match where she does win the Women's Championship, only to drop it back to Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble. So that would eliminate Liv Morgan from even entering the Royal Rumble. 
Sasha Banks, I could see Sasha winning it. She's not really a champion right now. Tony Storm is another one. I think WWE is doing a complete disservice to Tony Storm. I think she's a joke on WWE television. Her entire women's program with Charlotte is based on fucking cream pie. Get your mind out of the gutter, geeks. Get your mind out of the gutter. The only two women that make sense to me, three maybe, if you want to bring her back, Asuka is another one. Sasha, Bailey, or Asuka winning the Royal Rumble. But Asuka was the first women's Royal Rumble winner. She's already won, won a Royal Rumble. So it, it kind of comes down to either Bailey or Sasha. I do think we're getting one of the horsewomen that hasn't won the Royal Rumble to win the Royal Rumble. But I'm going with Bailey. Perfect opportunity to come back. Perfect opportunity to surprise people. Nobody knows when she's going to come out. Boom, she wins the Royal Rumble. Put her in a Royal Women's Championship match against Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Because Monday Night Raw needs some serious fucking help. And Becky Lynch needs some serious competition. This would give WWE the opportunity to turn Becky back to being a babyface because whatever the fuck she's doing as a heel is completely garbage. They are forcing a heel turn on that woman and it's not coming off as a genuine heel turn. Bayley can come in and give Monday Night Raw that heel character that they so desperately need. And you get that match at WrestleMania. You give Bayley the Raw Women's Championship. Then you could build up a Liv Morgan. Then you could build up an Asuka to challenge Bailey. Then you can build up a Rhea Ripley, if you so choose, to challenge Bailey for the Raw Women's Championship. Don't put her on SmackDown. We've already seen Bailey mix it up with Sasha. We've already seen Bailey mix it up with Charlotte Flair. There's not really much going on on SmackDown. I think she would probably fit better on Monday Night Raw. Becky has no competition. Charlotte really has no competition. I think she would fit better on Monday Night Raw. You guys know what I'm going to say. Merge the divisions. The women's divisions of Raw and SmackDown should be one. There should only be one women's championship in the entire company. Not two. There's no need or no reason for two women's championships. None. But I do think if we're not going to change that rule, that Bailey's probably best suited for SmackDown. Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano is a free agent. He is completely free to do whatever he wants. But what was WWE's plan for Johnny Gargano if he ended up re-signing with the company? He's left WWE. He's now a free agent. And a new report from Fightful Select has confirmed that Johnny Gargano had signed a brief contract extension so he could wrestle for NXT at War Games He did not sign a long-term deal and is therefore now a free agent and free to wrestle for all other promotions starting immediately. The report from Fightful notes that WWE made several attempts to re-sign Gargano and that Gargano has been very private about his decision to allow his contract to expire. The report adds that many people within WWE were aware of Gargano's contract expiring up to a year in advance. According to Fightful sources, the split was incredibly amicable. And the door has been left open for a working relationship in the future. In the terms of the deal offered to Gargano, they are said to be much better than the deal he was offered back in 2019. It isn't clear where Gargano will end up, although rumors have had stated and began to circulate about a possible AEW debut in the coming weeks or months. While many have speculated that he is off to join AEW, Others within NXT and WWE feel like he will be returning when the time is right. I don't think that is happening. 
I don't think that is happening, and I will go over why. If he does eventually decide to re-sign with the WWE, Dave Meltzer has reported he will likely remain in NXT and be booked as someone who will help get younger talent over. Johnny Gargano is only 34 years old. I don't think Johnny Gargano wants to remain in NXT and stifle his career and be somebody that's going to hold the hands of the younger talent. He's been doing that. Why do you think the way was created? Why do you think they paired Johnny Gargano with Indy Hartwell? Why do you think they paired Johnny Gargano with Austin Theory? Why do you think they paired Johnny Gargano with Dexter Loomis? Why do you think they paired Johnny Gargano reforming DIY to team with Pete Dunne and LA Knight to put over the NXT 2.0 class? Johnny Gargano has been holding the hands of NXT talent for a very long time. Why do you think he worked with Bronson Reed? Why do you think he dropped the NXT championship, North American championship, I should say? Why do you think he dropped the NXT North American championship to Bronson Reed? He's been holding the hands of the younger talent for way too long. Don't you think Johnny Gargano wants more for himself? Why would he go back to a company that only thinks of him as schoolteacher Johnny Gargano? It's not really fair. This is what Meltzer says in The Observer. In the case of Gargano at press time, he had not made up his mind and it was categorized by those close to him as a difficult decision. It was a difficult decision because of the love he has for not only his NXT family, but for what Triple H provided him and what Shawn Michaels, Matt Bloom, and everybody there provided him. It is tough to walk away from something like that. I know because I am not somebody that deals with change very well at all. So yes, it was a difficult decision. I know exactly what he's going through. Plus, he's having a kid. His wife is pregnant. That's obviously weighing on his mind. He's got change happening in his life all over the place. Change of job, change of lifestyle. He's going to be a father. It's a scary time to be Johnny Gargano. A lot of uncertainty. He was given a strong offer to stay, but the reality is he would have been in NXT with this new direction. He would not be a focus, but he would probably be kept somewhat strong with the idea of having him mean something to teach and put over the talents they are looking for on the main roster, end quote. But he was already doing that. Bronson Reed was well enough for the main roster. They fired him. Dexter Loomis is ready for the main roster. Some of those people that I see on NXT right now that has had a Johnny Gargano feud are ready for the main roster. Austin Theory's on the main roster. Incredibly high on Austin Theory as WWE management. Johnny Gargano has done more than his fair share of getting talent ready. He doesn't want to waste his remaining years in pro wrestling knowing that he could achieve so much more by holding the hands of all the kids in NXT, no matter what he feels about Triple H and Shawn Michaels. It's not fair to Johnny Gargano. Gargano was attacked during his farewell promo on this past week's NXT by Grayson Waller, so it looks like he's already putting over future stars. Daniel Bryan, when he was in WWE, he helped, I guess, not really put over Roman Reigns, but put over Roman Reigns' run as Universal Champion. He lost clean to Roman Reigns, and then he was out. And he went to AEW immediately following his contract expiring with World Wrestling Entertainment. Very similar to the way Gargano exited NXT. 
where Roman Reigns beat Daniel Bryan on SmackDown, Johnny Gargano gave the stage to Grayson Waller to send him packing out of NXT and put over Grayson Waller and get that immense heat, that immense heel heat on Grayson Waller. So Johnny Gargano even put over Grayson Waller. How much will that work? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But Johnny Gargano's done more than his fair share. And I do think it's time for Johnny Gargano to worry about Johnny Gargano. Meltzer noted that Gargano will likely wait until Candice LeRae, his wife, gives birth to their first, first child in February 2022 and then make a decision on where he wants to go wrestle. Now, we're all awaiting to see what he does next. It's easy to say AEW. I'd love to see Johnny Gargano on the indies just wrestling around everywhere. I'd love to see him come to House of Glory. I think Johnny Gargano would fit like a fucking glove in House of Glory. And we're waiting to see what he does next, especially if he follows in the footsteps of John Moxley and Brian Danielson and shows up in AEW. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, we now know one thing that Gargano is going to be doing with his newfound freedom. Not only is he starting a family, well, for everybody that is claiming he's going back to WWE, if you guys need any confirmation as to why that's not going to happen, Johnny Gargano said this on Twitter. But wait, there's more. Change is scary, especially with a baby on the way, but I'm excited to be able to take this time to dip my toes into some new ventures as well. I've been promising new content for a while, and Johnny Gargano expressed that he's opening up a YouTube channel and beginning a Twitch gaming channel. And you know how that is frowned upon in WWE. So if you guys need any more concrete, solid information that Johnny Gargano is not going back to WWE, the Twitch channel is all you need to know. Johnny Gargano is now a Twitch streamer away from pro wrestling. Good on him. He also opened up his Pro Wrestling Tees merchandise shop with a, well, a slew of designs that are already on there. So, clearly Johnny Gargano had everything planned out in advance. Bet on yourself is the theme for Johnny Gargano's new t-shirts. Good on him, man. I'm proud of him. And I can't wait to see what he does. I will be in that man's corner no matter where he ends up. He's one of the best in this business. And any company would be lucky to have him. WWE doesn't deserve Somebody like a Johnny Gargano. Because they wouldn't know how to use him. Why would you ever want him to go back there? I know it's easy to say everybody's going to end up in AEW. But Johnny Gargano would be at the top of my list. Knowing that there are free agents out there, Johnny Gargano would be at the top of my list. No matter what. And the free agent pool has never looked this good. Braun Strowman's out there. EC3 is out there. Kevin Owens is going to be out there. Sami Zayn is going to be out there. Bray Wyatt is out there. Who's to say Ricochet is, you know, is going to end up back in the WWE? His contract's coming up next year. How many more guys? Look at all the Ring of Honor contracts that are out there. It's amazing the slew of talent. Kyle O'Reilly. He's definitely going to end up in AEW. But I'm happy for Johnny Gargano, man. It is great to see creative freedom so beautifully expressed the way Johnny Gargano is now able to do. It's beautiful. Speaking of contracts, Dave Meltzer also talked about Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, they have uh, 
obviously went over this several times. Gargano O'Reilly, no longer a part of WWE. Kyle O'Reilly will probably end up in AEW. He will probably end up with Adam Cole and Bobby Fish with the Young Bucks. This is not a secret to anybody. You just see the writing on the wall. Two other names that have deals coming up soon are Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Both of them are close with several people in AEW, including the Young Bucks. So it's possible that they will end up in AEW sometime in 2022. Keith Lee is another one. Karrion Cross is another one. Any promotion would be lucky to have a Cross or a Keith Lee. I'd love to see Cross in House of Glory. I'd love to see Keith Lee as well in House of Glory. But Tony Khan is going to have a... A big, big fucking smile on his face, man. He's got the pick of the litter. Look at the women that are out there. Taya Valkyrie, Tegan Knox, Ember Moon, right? Probably more to come. You can see who WWE's not featuring on the main roster. You can just see the writing on the wall for some of these people. Free agent market is as good as it's ever been right now. You could legitimately start a brand new promotion with some of these women. And some of these men, from top to bottom. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, he's in a world championship feud right now with Seth Rollins and Big E. I only think he's a part of that to take the, the fall in that pinfall match at uh, day one. I don't think he lasts past January in WWE. Sami Zayn, you see Sami Zayn on television with Brock Lesnar. If you ask me, Sami Zayn was going to be in a program with Brock Lesnar towards the end of the year and said that it's going to be over the WWE Championship. I would have looked at you and called you a bolt-faced liar. And whatever they've done has been incredible. I've loved the interactions between Brock Lesnar and Sami Zayn. But WWE is only keeping Sami Zayn relevant on television because they want to lure him back into a WWE contract extension. And I don't know if that's going to work or not. Who's to say Sami Zayn is featured now and then won't be featured three months from now and right back in the mid-card feuding with fucking Shinsuke Nakamura treated like a, a mid, mid-card jobber. Why would anybody want to give WWE the benefit of the doubt here? This is what they usually do. Sucker you in with hopes of grandeur, and then as soon as you sign the dotted line, forget about it. Same thing every single time with no matter who you are. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, I think are gone. I think when their contracts are up, Sami Zayn is probably a little bit after Kevin Owens, probably in the springtime sometime, because he had actual time extended to his deal or added on top of his deal due to his shoulder injuries. But I do think they're both gone when their contracts are up. Owens and Zane, says Meltzer, are the two guys people know about whose deals are up soon. And obviously, both do go back with the Young Bucks. Adam Cole and others to PWG and the indie scene. So there is history there between Cole and the Bucks with Owens and Sami Zayn. If nothing else, you'd think they would listen to offers. Both are being given more TV time as of late, and that is likely due to wanting them to be happy with their push so they may stay in the WWE. But on the flip side, if they don't sign, they can use them as names to put over other people, top people, the way WWE wants Big E to be over and Seth Rollins to be over. They will use guys like that to uh, get Big E and Seth Rollins over on WWE TV. So they're using them as jobbers. Main roster Main event jobbers to help other talent get over on their way out. Kyrie Sane is another free agent. Uh, she's decided to not renew her WWE deal. Meltzer reported in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer 
newsletter that the company wanted to resign her with the idea that she would return to in-ring action, but she turned it down because she didn't want to live in the United States. I'm sure that's not the only reason. Living in the United States is one thing. WWE did absolutely nothing with Kyrie Sane of value on the main roster at all. Her run was horrific. So yes, Kyrie Sane wants to stay where she is in Japan. She also has no interest in wrestling for the WWE at all, which is also a thing. She recently moved to Japan to open up a fitness center. She's back there now. She also removed WWE from her Instagram handle, but still has it in her Twitter username. Sane recently launched a 24-hour fitness gym in Japan. Saint stopped wrestling in 2020 as she returned to Japan to be with her husband after she was written off television. Sane did stay with the company as an ambassador and even did commentary for the Hell in a Cell 2021 pay-per-view event in Japanese. The biggest name that has a deal coming up is Goldberg. Meltzer noted that he's got one more match on his deal and he gets paid a huge amount of money just to do a couple of matches a year. It would probably not make financial sense for AEW to sign somebody like Goldberg, but never say never because Goldberg is friends with Tony Khan and there was rumored interest in Goldberg during the early days of AEW's beginning. The best bet is that WWE will keep him and re-sign him because of their deal with Saudi Arabia. God help us all. You know, WWE doesn't have many legends to rely on anymore for these Saudi shows. It's Goldberg and Edge, and that is it. They have nobody else. But this is what happens. Instead of building up to find the next Goldberg or the next Edge, you've buried everybody on the roster where only Roman Reigns stands tall as the only superstar on your entire roster. And meanwhile, Goldberg is old. Goldberg is terrible. Edge is not going to be around forever. WWE is going to be forced to sign Goldberg to yet another two-year deal with two matches a year or three-year deal with two matches per year. They're going to be wheelchairing, wheelchairing Goldberg out there to wrestle these fucking matches because they have no more legends to rely on. Nobody's interested in that. Nobody wants to see that. Give me a break. The faster Goldberg disappears, the happier we as a community will be. Corey Graves. This is another thing that really just fucking pushed my buttons. And sometimes I got to bite my lip on social media because everybody is just a fucking fool. They really are. Corey Graves responded to criticism about his commentary when it comes to WWE women on SmackDown and Raw. WWE commentator, color commentator, Corey Graves took to Twitter this week, earlier this week, to respond to criticism over his commentary when women are featured on WWE programming. Let me rephrase this. Corey Graves responds to criticism when a woman, his fiance, is featured on WWE programming. Not women. Corey Graves doesn't mention anything about other women's looks on WWE television. And you would know if you weren't a fucking attention-seeking slut on social media. Started with these tweets by 
a commentator or an announcer. I don't even know her name. Apparently, she was an ex-NXT backstage interviewer of sorts. What the fuck do I know? It's worth noting that she never mentioned Graves by name. She never tagged him, and she never outright said that she was referring to him or anyone in WWE. She also did not mention Graves' fiance Carmella, in this tweet about this topic. She tweeted, and I quote, when an announced team can't focus on a match and is constantly commentating on the physical appearance of competitors, especially when it's women in the ring, it's time to find professional broadcasters who can tell the story without being distracted by the athletes. I don't often share my takes on things, But I work hard to prepare myself as a broadcaster. I've studied how great commentary teams can elevate matches. But it's really grating to hear announcers get lost in how attractive they think competitors are in the midst of a match. End quote. Corey Graves saw this because people were adding him. And whether you want to believe this individual or not, this was absolutely about Corey Graves. And Carmella. Corey Graves responded, and I quote, Well then, I suggest you find a different field than sports entertainment. He knew exactly who she was and where she worked. If you can't differentiate between a TV character and an actual journalist, then I don't trust anything you have to say. Good luck. End quote. Graves or Carmella were not mentioned in this tweet. It had everything to do with Corey Graves. This person of interest here who started this discussion, she then tweeted the next day after things got blown out of proportion in ways that she did not expect. She goes on social media and backtracks on the entire thing and claims that she was watching independent promotions And she was talking about several independent promotions that she was watching. And that's where the topic of discussion got brought up. Sure thing. Sure thing. You thought that you can handle the heat in the kitchen. It got too hot for you. And then you wanted to back away from the fucking flames. That's exactly what you thought you were going to get away with. And you couldn't. So spare me the fucking lame pathetic excuse of you backtracking in something that had everything to do with Corey Graves, that had every bit to do with Corey Graves. I don't watch many independent promotions. Most of the time, their play-by-play team is fucking trash. I know me and Salamaster don't highlight women's attractiveness or looks on House of Glory television, nor would we. It's all about what happens in the ring. If they do that, they're probably some bargain basement fucking bingo hall bullshit with 12 fans in attendance that are probably doing commentary via their iPhone fucking speakers. Give me a break. Does that every bit to do with Corey Graves? Now, the thing is, she says, and I'm going to reiterate this again, focus on a match and worry about the storytelling instead of be distracted by the athletes. I'm sorry, when does Corey Graves not tell a good story? I'd love for you to pinpoint when Corey Graves does not tell a good story. 
Now, I don't give a shit what anybody says in the chat. I don't give a shit about what anybody thinks of Corey Graves. You can hate Corey Graves. You can call him a fucking beta male. You can call him a shill. You can call him a WWE mark. You can call him an e-drone. You can call him a sellout or a fraud, whatever the fucking case may be, right? Comes off all heavy metal. He's nothing more than a fucking Blink-182 ripoff, right? Or poser, like I call Rhea Ripley. But the thing with Corey Graves is, when does Corey Graves ever show up unprepared to anything he does on commentary. If anything, Corey Graves is more prepared than anybody outside of Michael Cole. Corey Graves is the number two commentator in all of the company. The man shows up to work with a smile on his face. The man showed up to work in the midst of his marriage being destroyed. And the huge change in his personal life. Man showed up to work with a fucking smile on his face. You would have never realized that he was going through some fucking heartbreak at home. But he showed up to work every day, prepared, ready to go, with a smile on his face, ready to do his job. And then he went back to his personal life and felt like shit, like any normal human being would. But that didn't stop him from showing up being prepared. Corey Graves shows up prepared for every single thing that he does. So don't mock... Corey Graves for not being prepared. Don't slight his work ethic. Number two, Corey Graves is a heel commentator. Corey Graves is not his real name. Byron Saxton is not Byron Saxton's real name for all the marks out there. The only people that have a real name on the WWE commentating team is Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith is the only guy on the commentary team that goes by his real name. Corey Graves is playing a heel color commentator. He takes after the lineage of a Jerry the King Lawler and a Bobby the Brain Heenan who did their jobs so well in our time that they're looked at as the best color commentators of all time. All time, Corey Graves is a heel. His backtrack and his uh, his backstory, rather, and his his influence comes from Bobby the Brain Heenan, which I'd love to see Bobby the Brain Heenan on color commentary in his prime nowadays because it would trigger everybody. And they couldn't tell the difference between Bobby Heenan in real life and Bobby Heenan as a character on television. That is the role he played. Corey Graves is highlighting his fiance's look. And to be honest, if I'm Corey Graves, I'm going to do the same thing about Carmella if I was on commentary in Corey Graves' shoes. Carmella is a beautiful woman. Who the fuck are you to tell Corey Graves that he can't highlight his fiance's looks? You fucking kidding me? And he's a heel. Corey Graves is not the one that gave Carmella the most beautiful woman in WWE gimmick. WWE is asking for people to focus their eyes on Carmella because she's the most beautiful woman in WWE. They're certainly not highlighting her wrestling fucking ability, right? And Carmella matches don't last three minutes. So please tell me what Corey Graves is going to do as far as telling a story in less than three minutes in a fucking Carmella match. Corey Graves doesn't really highlight anybody else's looks. He doesn't highlight Tony Storm's looks. 
He doesn't highlight Bailey's looks. He doesn't highlight Sasha Banks' looks. Right? It's only Carmella. People want to make something out of nothing to gain some sort of social media traction because you suck at your job or you aren't getting by with what you've been doing. So let me throw it out there. Maybe people will fucking hang on to it and hook on to it. And you didn't act Corey Graves, but you knew exactly who you were talking about. Everybody knew exactly who you were talking about. And I'm glad he called you out. And I'm glad people called you out on it because it's fucking ridiculous. Never slight the man's work, ever. I don't know who the fuck you were watching, but you weren't watching independent promotions. You had every bit of knowledge that you knew exactly what you were doing and that Corey Graves was the subject of your tweet, even though he wasn't mentioned. Monday Night Raw sets a new record low in the key demo. No shit. Monday Night Raw is awful. So when I say this every week, are you surprised? No. This week's edition of Monday Night Raw saw its ratings drop. This is according to Brandon Thurston of Russellnomics. The episode drew an average of 1.599 million viewers on the USA Network. That is down from 1.67 million viewers in the previous week. The 18 to 49 demo saw the average of 0.35. That is down from a 0.45. Ooh. Oh, my God, Bruce. I'm sure you love knowing that your show is genuinely fucking terrible. This is the lowest key demo rating and the ninth lowest total viewership the show has done in its history. Yeah, that steel cage match worked out well for you, didn't Didn't it? Huh? Well, that Liv Morgan-Becky Lynch match worked out so swimmingly for you, right? So clearly, whatever you're trying to do and whatever you're trying to shill to the fans is not working. I'd be surprised if Liv Morgan gets another opportunity, period, after this fucking dismal rating. If everybody was so involved with Liv Morgan and somebody, and everybody was so fucking genuine about Liv Morgan winning the Royal Women's Championship, don't you think people would show up in droves to watch Liv Morgan maybe win the fucking Raw Women's Championship? They didn't give a single flying fuck about Liv Morgan being in the main event, and that rating proved it. The third hour did a 1.494 million viewership. That may be the lowest of all time. Hour one did a 1.669, and hour two did a 1.636. I'd be shocked if Liv Morgan gets another championship match, period. And Monday Night Raw was genuinely awful. Steel cage match that didn't make any sense, and WWE really didn't do anything to exercise the fact that they're looking for fresh, new, new talent out there. Which they had every opportunity to do with Liv Morgan, but all they did now was put up a wall in the Liv Morgan chase, and WWE is looking at a too-little-too-late situation, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley apparently is going to be added to the day one WWE title match. A new promo for the upcoming WWE episode suggests that Bobby Lashley could be added to the WWE Championship match on January 1. The short promo showed Bobby Lashley's attack on Big E, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins, the three men who will face Big E, or face off, I should say, for the WWE Championship. 
WWE is hinting at the possibility of Lashley being added to the match. On this week's edition of Raw, Biggie faced Owens in a steel cage match with the power of positivity emerging victorious. Rollins then showed up and attacked the prized fighter, leading to a brief brawl between he and Big E. During the commercial break, Lashley stormed the ring and laid out the three superstars. Lashley was the WWE champion until Big E cashed in his Money in the Bank contract on Raw three months ago to win the WWE title for the first time in his career. The almighty feuded with Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio throughout the month of November. But his actions on Raw this week certainly suggest that WWE is ready to put Lashley back in the WWE championship scene. Who talks like that? Seriously. Who speaks like that? You do know, you, you do realize that a human being wrote the verbiage that you see on WWE.com. Big E is currently listed as a 200 and under favorite to win the triple threat match at day one, which will be held at State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. Rollins carries the second highest odds at plus 200, while Owens is a major underdog at 600 plus. For what it's worth, Owens' contract is slated to expire at the end of January. During his WWE Championship reign, Lashley showed that he's deserving of a long-term spot in the main event scene. Adding Bobby Lashley to the WWE Championship program may make the feud a little bit more interesting, and it may make the outcome a little bit more unpredictable. I'll give WWE credit. It does. But you know day one is a Nick Conman production, right? You do know that day one is a Nikon production. This is the first time, I, I, I think, since I've been watching WWE that I've seen a pay-per-view happen on January 1, New Year's Day. This is some new thing by Nick Khan. And Bobby Lashley was not a part of the show. He hasn't been shown on Monday Night Raw as, as far as uh, a build with a feud in mind, a match to take place at day one. If Bobby Lashley is not included in this WWE Championship feud, then where exactly is Bobby Lashley going to fit on the card? And WWE is pulling out all the stops for this day one show. They're looking to sell it out. It's almost a sellout. I think they have 90% of the arena filled so far. If you guys follow that WrestleTix account on social media, which is a great account, I love following them and I love looking at all the analytics that they provide. Bobby Lashley right now is not feuding with anybody on Monday Night Raw. They haven't set anything up for him. So if the show happens, why would you not include Bobby Lashley? And the only way to put Bobby Lashley on the show is to put him in this WWE Championship match. But at the same time, where WWE is adding yet another man to the WWE title program, that Seth Rollins won by himself. It realistically should be a one-on-one match. All this does is give WWE an easy out to extend the Big E and Seth Rollins program. You know Seth Rollins is not winning the WWE Championship at day one. There's no way he's winning the WWE Championship at day one. I'd be shocked if he does. Kevin Owens is in that match. More than likely, Kevin Owens is taking the pinfall. Bobby Lash is not being pinned. Big E's not being pinned. And Seth Rollins is not being pinned. So Big E probably is going to pin Kevin Owens. And then this will give Rollins all the fuel he needs because he has every fucking right to be angry. I won this ladder match to get one-on-one WWE title opportunities against Big E. Now, Kevin Owens is involved and Bobby Lashley's involved. Where's my fucking shot? All this does is extend WWE's lazy creative to continue the Big E and Seth Rollins feud 
And that's why they're doing it. They're adding Bobby Lashley and Kevin Owens to continue the Big E and Seth Rollins feud. That is it. I don't care either way because there's real no, there's really no storytelling here. There's nothing to really sink your teeth into here. There's no real investment here in this storyline. I'm not jumping out of my seat to see who is feuding with Big E and who's going to be the WWE champion. What's the story here? What is the story? It's just really formulaic, fundamental, sixth grade shit. There's no real emotion in this thing. I want Rollins to win the fucking title because out of everybody in this match, Rollins is doing the best work. That's not grounds for making somebody the WWE champion. I want the storyline to matter. I want the story to take precedent. But it doesn't. Big E hasn't had a good run yet. Bobby Lashley has seen his run. We all know why Owens is there. Owens is not winning the WWE title. If Owens did not sign a WWE extension, He's not winning the WWE title. And I don't see Kevin Owens staying in the WWE because this is his fate. He's always going to be a B-plus player. He's never going to be the guy to lead a brand. Meanwhile, he can go to AEW, though crowded. They will treat him better than what WWE is treating him now. And he will make bank. And he will sell t-shirts. And he will be a household AEW name. I don't know why he would opt to stay with WWE when they really haven't given back to Kevin Owens. They had an opportunity to give back to Kevin Owens, and they fucking failed. Kevin Owens looked absolutely fucking incredible during his Roman Reigns feud. Three matches those guys had, and they killed it every single fucking time. You think WWE would have taken Kevin Owens out of that feud and built him up as a main event guy? What the fuck did they do with him? They forgot him, and he did nothing but KO shows. Now he's on Raw, and he doesn't feel special or unique at all. All WWE looks at when they look at Kevin Owens is an overweight guy who wears basketball shorts and he does indie moves. That's all they look at when they look at Kevin Owens. You might as well go to the indie promotion and go do your indie shit with the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. You'll be better off. Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon have no value in Kevin Owens anymore, clearly being that he's the one in this match to take the pinfall. Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan addresses criticism of her Raw promo a couple of weeks back, mentioning the WWE releases. Liv Morgan addressed criticism surrounding her promo from two weeks ago on Monday Night Raw during a contract signing with Becky Lynch, referencing WWE releases. Unless, it wasn't last month, it was two weeks ago. On the November 29th show, Morgan argued that Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch and her contract is the reason why her friends Ruby Soho and Sarah Logan were let go by the company. Sarah Logan left the company in 2020 and Ruby was one of over 80 wrestlers released this year. Following the segment, a number of fans and reportedly some talent within the company criticized the promo believing that the line was in bad taste. I said so night of. When I did my Raw review for November 29th, I said, that's the way you're going to sell this storyline and this title feud? Liv Morgan talking about Becky's contract being the reason why her friends were released? Give me a fucking break. Ruby Soho wasn't released because of Becky Lynch's contract. Sarah Logan wasn't released because of Becky Lynch's contract especially not in a day and age where WWE is making more money than ever before, where they can absolutely handle 25 Becky Lynch contracts. 
It's not stopping them from paying fucking Bill Goldberg $3 million a year or Edge $3 million a year or Brock Lesnar $4, $5 million a year to wrestle part-time. No, but Becky Lynch's full-time contract is the reason why WWE released Ruby Soho and Sarah Logan, though, right? So I defended all these people that got released because we know why they got released. WWE creative is fucking horrendous. And WWE should have built this Liv Morgan storyline with Becky Lynch around Liv Morgan. Not the people that they released that were so-called friends of Liv Morgan. They should have built the feud about WWE management and, and WWE creative. Not really trusting Liv Morgan. Not really giving Liv Morgan an opportunity. How Liv Morgan has had a battle and fight and claw her way to the top and continue to prove them all wrong. And WWE has underutilized her. WWE has not given Liv Morgan an opportunity at all. Meanwhile, Becky Lynch has been given the golden ring, the crown, in the women's division. That is their golden goose. Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Bayley, Alexa Bliss, right? You've seen no other women on television get a spotlighted role, especially creating new stars. So instead of telling that story and how management under- utilized and overlooked Liv Morgan for so many years. They want to build it around Liv Morgan's friends being released and Becky Lynch's contract being the reason. Instead of making it about Liv and the Raw Women's Championship and how it's always been a dream of hers. Fuck Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon. Clearly that line came from Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon. Liv Morgan didn't go out there and say that herself. She wasn't given bullet points. She didn't go off the script. She was told to say that. So you know exactly where that line's coming from, and you know exactly who to blame. Do not blame Liv Morgan. Blame the fucking people that write this drivel every single week. So she was on a podcast. I don't want to name the individual of this podcast who hosts because he's a fucking prick, and he's got the worst haircut in the business, and apparently his barber is more over than he is. He works for Fox Sports, and he looks like an emo cuck who listens to terrible music, I am sure of it, and he hunts porn stars down in Whole Foods and then goes home to jerk off with his wife while watching said porn stars. Meanwhile, he gets blasted on social media for calling out everybody else who claims this is not true, right? While he's shopping for asparagus in the organic vegetable aisle. You know who I'm talking about. I don't want to mention his name because he doesn't deserve the light of day. But you know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about, right? At least he's got good taste in porn stars, though. I'll tell you that, right? You know who he is. So she was on that show. You know, the guy who hosts that show that I'm better at. I'm better than him. And he knows it. That's why he's got me blocked. Anyway. Speaking on uh, this particular show on Fox... Morgan noted that she doesn't think she said anything wrong as taboo as subject of WWE releases seems, revealing that her friends reached out to her after this promo. Morgan said, and I quote, it it was hard for me to say what I said. No, because Becky has brought up my friends and my friends not being here. After that segment, I got a text from my friends saying how proud they were and how amazing they thought it was. I don't think there is any hard feelings anywhere around. I know I'm addressing something. That may feel like an elephant in the room or taboo, but these things, they are happening. 
I don't think I said anything wrong. Everyone is allowed to feel however they want and react how they want. There was not one intention in my mind to offend anyone or make light of any situation, but address the reality of the situation. I felt like she needed to hear it. She's on such a high horse right now, so I I wanted to yank her down and bring her back down to reality, end quote. So clearly Liv Morgan didn't really go on this particular show and say anything out of the ordinary. She's not allowed to. She pretty much stayed in character to what the storyline is, and she gave the most corporate answer of all time, and she's not going to claim that it was written for her and that's what was written and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, we all know what's the case and what the situation is. It was written for her, and it blew up in Liv Morgan's face because clearly everybody's not going to go blame Bruce Prichard or Vince McMahon. They're going to blame Liv Morgan because Liv Morgan's the one that said it. PW Insider had noted that several sources said the line likely came from Vince McMahon or Bruce Prichard as opposed to Morgan herself. Liv Morgan and the storyline should be about Liv Morgan and her struggling to get over in WWE because management has held her down and overlooked her. Nothing monetarily should ever be brought to WWE television because nobody's going to believe it. Their financials are public knowledge. So WWE fucked up big time. They actually changed the Raw main events on Monday on the day of the show. The most recent episode of Raw was main evented by Liv Morgan taking on Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. It did not deserve the main event, and it did not belong in the main event. I'm saying that right now. I don't give a shit who has a problem with that. Your WWE champion opened the fucking show in a steel cage match and got his ass handed to him. If that's what you think of Big E and the WWE Championship, then you're a fucking idiot. The WWE Championship should be in the main event. That's the biggest storyline on Monday Night Raw. That's where it should be. And looking back at Raw and the way these matches ended, there's no reason why it should not have been in the main event. Becky Lynch cheated the same way she cheated against Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair. If that was the ending you were going to go with, then it should have opened the show. Had no business being in the main event at all. Mike Johnson reported that the match occurred here on the historic history an anniversary historic Trish Stratus and Lita match that main evented Monday Night Raw, December of 2024. It seemed only natural to have that match go on last. He did report that the plan didn't start out that way. The original plan was to close the second hour of Raw with the steel cage match between Kevin Owens and Big E. The Bobby Lashley run-in was planned to follow. The third hour of the show didn't perform as well as the first two. And many people in the company noted that the online success of the matchup as a positive sign or was a positive sign Raw ended, and the video on social media between Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan has over 700,000 views. So, the third hour bombed, but WWE is touting the online success of the matchup as a positive sign. Bullshit. They got to find some positivity in something because there's not much positivity to go around. The opening segment was originally supposed to be a promo between Biggie and Owens, and that would have set up the steel cage match as the main event. Instead, the women's match was given the spot, and the cage opened the show. WWE appears to have huge plans, quote-unquote, for Liv Morgan. It is likely that she will see a title run sometime in the near future. In the meantime, Kevin Owens is likely on his way out of WWE and was placed into the Rollins and Big E match so that he could eat the pin at day one and protect the others. Protect Big E, Seth Rollins, and Bobby Lashley. I said this on Monday. 
Liv Morgan losing that match the way that she did. Clearly, WWE is setting up Becky Lynch to once again defend the title at day one. WWE is not having day one without Becky Lynch on the show. I want you guys to be very well aware of that. Becky Lynch will be on day one defending that Raw Women's Championship. Becky Lynch cheated to win. Becky Lynch eventually is going to get her comeuppance. She cheated against Bianca. She cheated against Charlotte, right? Somebody's going to bring Becky Lynch back down to reality. There's a reason why Liv Morgan remained in character on Fuckface's podcast, because that's exactly what's going to happen. Becky Lynch will come back down to reality, and Becky Lynch will lose that Raw Women's Championship at day one, and Becky Lynch will go back into the Royal Rumble seeking revenge. Liv Morgan's only going to have less than a one-month title reign. Becky Lynch is going to win that title back at the Royal Rumble, and Liv Morgan's going to go right back to where she is right now in the catering department. So I don't know what WWE is doing here. They're extending this feud to get day one. Meanwhile, they could have given the title reign to Liv Morgan on Monday Night Raw, even though it wouldn't have been seen by many or cared by many. WWE feels like this is the best way to go about it. Meanwhile, I disagree. I honestly think Liv Morgan should have won the title on Monday, have her hold it through day one, have her cheat to beat Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch then argues that Liv Morgan cheated, and we get one final match at the Royal Rumble, and then Liv Morgan loses the title at the Royal Rumble. That would have at least given Liv Morgan a month and a half, close to two months of a title reign with the Royal Women's Championship. Instead, we're going to drop it at day one and give Liv Morgan a reign where she's going to lose the title in the same month. It's not really what I call building up somebody in the Raw Women's Division. That's the way it's going to end up going. If it doesn't end up that way, I would be completely shocked. Maybe Liv Morgan doesn't win the championship. After these ratings on Monday, I don't see how WWE is going to have Liv Morgan do anything with the Raw Women's Championship. Clearly, nobody's watching and nobody cares. So why would WWE give Liv Morgan the championship when their match and their feud and their segment completely bombed on Monday? Nobody gives a shit about women's wrestling. I got to be honest with you. Women's wrestling in WWE is taking a major blow. Nobody cares. And that's WWE's fault. That's Johnny Laurinaitis' fault. That's Bruce Pritchard's fault. They don't fucking care. These are two people that always claim women's wrestling is not a draw. They don't give a fuck about women's wrestling. The only one that gave a fuck about women's wrestling in WWE is Triple H and Stephanie McMahon to a degree. They realized what they had when they had it. They built upon it. They put Sasha and Charlotte and Becky and Bailey at the forefront knowing that if they were the four that were built and that was the model, that it would be easy to build upon that. And when WWE got their greedy little claws into it, it was eventually ruined. Now you see where they're going with the women's storylines. Alexa Bliss was bigger than anybody. Charlotte Flair has not let go of that tight grip on the top of the division, no matter what type of trouble she's getting into. Becky Lynch is at the top, and I don't see her moving away from that top spot. Even Sasha's taking more of a little back stage role. Or, you know, she's behind the, 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 the role of Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. She's taking a smaller role compared to everybody else. Bailey had a huge title reign. She got hurt. WWE's done nothing to build up anybody. The storylines are terrible. Charlotte and Rhea's feud has been terrible. Rhea Ripley is buried beyond recognition. The fucking feud between Charlotte and Tony Storm is over fucking pie. And then throwing pies in each other's face. 
How does anybody look at this and not fucking complain? That's the best you got for a world-class professional wrestler in Tony Storm and Charlotte Flair? No, but I'm the one who's fucking wrong and the one complaining, right? What a bunch of fucking jackasses you are, man. Seriously. Nobody gives a fuck about women's wrestling in WWE because WWE doesn't give a fuck about women's wrestling. You get what you give. I'm not surprised. And I don't see how this builds Liv Morgan up. Yes, let's give her the championship for about 20 days only to take it away from her and then have her go right back to being what she was, a complete nobody. Enjoy your three-week reign. Give me a fucking break. SmackDown. They draw the lowest total viewership and key demo on Fox since July. Seems to be following the trend of Monday Night Raw. Good for them. SmackDown has been largely awful every week. Every single week. Without Brock or without Roman, this show is a complete disaster. The latest edition of Friday Night SmackDown. This is the 12-3 show. Not this past Friday show. Not the 10th. But the 12-3 2021 episode drew an average of 2.030 million viewers on Fox, which is down from the week prior, which was a 2.149 million viewership. That is according to Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. In the all-important 18 to 49 demographic, the show did a 0.51 rating. That is down from the 0.57 rating the show did a week ago. The show went up against the Pac-12 championship game on ABC that did over 4.2 million viewers. The show did a, oh, that football game, rather, did a 0.48 key demo rating and drew a 1.986 in viewership. This was the lowest total viewership and key demo the show has done on Fox since July 9th, which was the last Thunderdome edition of SmackDown. If anybody's watching SmackDown and has anything positive to say about the show outside of Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, you are an absolute fucking drone. Really. The show is terrible. There's nothing redeeming about the show. Their tag team division is fucking horrendous. Shinsuke Nakamura held the Intercontinental Championship for four months and has defended it once in four months. And without Roman Reigns, which right now he's not looking at many opponents on that show, after Jeff Hardy got fired, who do they have? Who do they have on that show for Roman Reigns? Sheamus? Cesaro? We've seen that, right? Who do they got? Jinder Mahal? Shanky? Give me a fucking break. Nobody but Lesnar and McIntyre. That doesn't really sound like a company and a brand that's going to sustain a Roman Reigns run through 2021 and 22. The show sucks. Let's call a fucking spade a spade. The show sucks. If it didn't have Roman, the show would be as bad, if not worse, than Monday Night Raw. I don't know how you have this problem in WWE, but WWE seems to want to carry on with the brand split. Every single fucking time I say this, the brand split is killing the show. You do realize that once the brand split ends and you merge the rosters, that this wouldn't be an issue. The shows would feel fresh. The shows would feel beautiful. But here you are with these writing teams and they're writing for what? What are they writing to? What are they writing for? There's not much to write. It's the same shit every week. There's not much to go around. One of the 
the reasons why they don't want to end the brand split is because they're fucking lazy. It's almost as if they don't want to work. But meanwhile, they have such an incredible roster of talent that they don't want to bless us, the fans, with good television. Meanwhile, we know they can write good television. They just don't. They don't want to be bothered with good television. Every aspect of WWE TV is genuinely fucking terrible. I'm not even as high on Roman Reigns as I once was because I see exactly what it is now. It's all for Roman. WWE had every single opportunity along the last year and a half to build up their fucking talent with Roman Reigns. And the only one that has gone over is Roman Reigns. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyway, guys, let's check the chat. I want to thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Sunday evenings, man. We got 1,900 in the venue. My boy, kid behind the camera. I see you, bro. Absolutely not necessary, man, but I see you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, bro. Also, Dave D becomes a new member in the venue. Thank you, Dave D. What are you drinking, bro? First round is on me. And everybody else that's sending in Super Chats, man, make sure you guys get them on in. We will read all your Super Chats at the end of the show. Today, sponsored by Blue Chew, bluechew.com. You guys know about Blue Chew. They are an incredible friend of the podcast. And winter is here, guys. Santa Claus is coming with those nicely wrapped gifts. I know you guys want to present your partner with the nicest gift possible. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Today, sponsored by Blue Chew. Confidence can take you guys very far in life. It can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. But Blue Chew is chewable, and it comes at the fraction of a cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. You can even plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is very simple, guys. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you are approved, you will receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package, man. With Bluetooth, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, <laughs> your package has arrived. Make sure you guys sign up at Bluetooth.com. Use code JD at checkout. All you have to do is pay the $5. Shipping and handling. That is BlueChew.com, code JD. And I want to thank them for once again sponsoring today's epic 400th episode of Off the Scripts. Make sure you guys continue to hit that join button, man. We got a ton of VIPs in the venue. Thank you very much. We got another new member here. We got uh, DJ Lundy becoming a new member. What are you drinking, bro? What are you drinking? First round is on me. Jeff Hardy. Take a sip of my uh, now warm beverage. It once was a cold beverage, but now a warm, bubbly. Jeff Hardy. A WWE source 
doesn't believe Jeff Hardy was impaired during house show match last weekend. Someone who was backstage at the Edinburgh, Texas show last Saturday reached out to WrestlingNews.co and Jeff Hardy was the topic of discussion. They were told by this person, this WWE source who obviously will remain anonymous, he will remain uh, unidentifiable. And WWE, with this Jeff Hardy situation, fired Jeff Hardy, anonymous, this source. This person told WrestlingNews.co, I saw him before that match and there was nothing out of the usual going on with him. Jeff deals with back and knee issues, but I don't think he drank anything or took any pills before that show. Far as I know, he's been doing great since the DUI arrest from a couple of years back. I know people are wondering why he would be allowed to go out there if he was fucked up, but he looked fine before the match. End quote. He looked fine before the match. End quote. This is from an anonymous WWE source. Several fans of the show noted that Hardy looked sluggish during the six-man tag team match where he teamed with King Xavier Woods and Drew McIntyre against the Bloodline. He then disappeared through the crowd. Hardy took the time to take photos with fans. And while he appeared to be moving slower than usual, he looked nothing like he did when he was impaired during his Victory Road 2011 match with Sting. Both Matt Hardy and Jeff's wife, Britt Hardy, noted this week, that Jeff is back at home and he's doing well. WWE reportedly wanted him to go to rehab and he declined. And that is when they made the decision to release him. Matt sent a cryptic tweet on Friday night hinting that fans may see Team Extreme reunited again in the future. Matt tweeted, and I quote, I feel extremely good about the future End quote. And he spelt extremely, not with an E, but with an X in Team Extreme. WWE is also pretending that Jeff Hardy doesn't exist. At the Staples Center in Los Angeles on Friday night, they were selling his T-shirts. And they were selling several WWE shirts with the SmackDown stars featured on said shirt. The shirts included Jeff Hardy since they were designed before he was obviously let go and fired. As previously reported, Jeff Hardy refused to go to rehab. WWE fired him, and now he's under a 90-day non-compete, and he is able to become a free agent in March of 2022. Jeff Hardy was supposed to be in a feud with Roman Reigns over the Universal Championship with with, with Roman Reigns being completely on board in this situation. Jeff Hardy was not a problem backstage, says Ringside News. A source that reached out to Ringside News in WWE said that Jeff was not an issue backstage. In fact, there was talk amongst the writers that Roman and Heyman were completely on board with working a match with Jeff at either the Royal Rumble or the Saudi Arabia show in February. Jeff planted seeds for an eventual match against Roman Reigns. And like I said, sadly, that will not take place now. And Ringside News asked about a report saying that Hardy turned down an offer for rehab And Creative heard the same story, and they were told, Ringside News, that Jeff was never an issue backstage, 
and that WWE creative was looking at Jeff Hardy and considering him for a much larger role. Because they obviously heard the fan reaction to Jeff Hardy at Survivor Series and the following night on Monday Night Raw. I made a video about this Thursday. I made a video about this Thursday and the topic of discussion in my video was two things. One, I have family that is going through problems, addictions with alcohol. I mentioned family members who are struggling with alcohol addiction and how it is internally causing stress not only on me, but my entire family, my brothers and relatives that don't have any communication with my family and haven't had any communication with my family in years. We all know of their problems. Everybody in my family knows of their problems. I see how difficult it is to get over. I see what it does to them. I see what it does to their attitudes. I see what it does to their body. I see what it does to not only my family, but me. I don't feel good on most days knowing that I have family that is struggling with alcohol addiction and I try to help and I know that I can't help and every bit of help is denied. I know what it is. So don't claim to know me and then want to clip something that I said about Jeff Hardy to further your own agenda and push your own narrative. I'm not going anywhere and you're not canceling me. I'm sorry to admit that to you. I'm not going anywhere. I wasn't insensitive about it. I'm not apologizing for anything I said. You can kiss my ass. There are people out there that look at everything that I do and wait for every given moment. They watch every minute of my show and they think that what they're doing in that moment, I got him. I got him. I got him with this clip. We're going to post it online. We're going to cancel him. We're going to get rid of him. No. No. I'm too smart for that. I'm not going anywhere. Everything that was said about me in the last 24 to 48 hours and regarding this story got picked up by NoIQ.com. It got picked up by Ringside News, which I'm a fan of Ringside News, and I know Steve from Ringside News. I'm kind of disappointed in Ringside News. I'm kind of disappointed in their staff that they didn't come to me about this situation before they published something on their website. I don't know who else picked up on it. Sports Kita, trash. Sports Kita is run by trash people. These are people that actively seek anything they can to drive clicks and drive viewership to their websites. None of these sites are looked at as credible. Sportskeeda and no, no IQ, give me a break. They got some of the dumbest people in the community working for noiq.com. That's why I call them noiq.com. Instead of coming to me, and the sad thing is these people are following me on social media. They did not come to me about questioning me on anything. They just went ahead and published Meanwhile, all they did, and the funny thing is, they didn't even watch the content that I put out. Thursday, I talked about Jeff Hardy, and the topic of discussion was my family's alcohol problems and alcohol abuse, and the topic of discussion was Jeff Hardy needing to stay away from professional wrestling, and the fans needing to shut their fucking mouths about where Jeff Hardy's going to find work next. 
whether it's AEW, New Japan, or fucking Impact, Jeff Hardy's thing right now is not finding work. He's got 90 days to contemplate on what he needs to do and get right. Jeff Hardy's number one priority is spending time with his family, his wife, his kids, his brother, and his family, Rebby, Matt, anybody else that he's related to. The holiday season's coming up. The new year is about to be rung in. That's what's important to Jeff Hardy right now. Tony Khan and AEW and Team Extreme and one more run with his brother and the Hardy Boys. That is going to happen. Jeff is not going anywhere. Nobody wants Jeff to go anywhere. I don't want to come on here, and I said this explicitly. I don't want to come on here and eulogize another wrestler that I grew up with. I love Matt Hardy. I love Jeff Hardy, as do you and everybody else. But when I talked about my family's struggles with alcohol abuse, and I said these heartfelt things about Jeff Hardy's situation, wanting him to get right. Was any of that clipped? Of course it wasn't. The only thing that was clipped was a notion that I had in my head, and I'm not the only one in the community that had this notion, that maybe Jeff Hardy intentionally got himself fired because he was hurt, or maybe he was fatigued, or maybe he had a COVID-related reason. He went out there and it was undetectable and he was weak and he was lethargic. He was dehydrated. Maybe he said, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm walking out. I don't feel good. I'm walking out. Maybe he got himself fired on purpose. Maybe he walked into the crowd thinking, you know what? They're going to ask me if I'm needing rehab again, and I'm going to say no, and that's going to be my way out the door. I find it funny how Matt Hardy went on social media the very next fucking week and said, I'm extremely happy for the future. What are you happy about? What are you happy about? Jeff is, according to Matt, healthy and happy. He's home. But meanwhile, people want to clip 30 seconds of what I said about Jeff Hardy. Meanwhile, it got blown out of context, and I easily, easily gave you 30 minutes of discussion of my own family going through the same thing. But none of that was clipped. None of anything I said positively about Jeff Hardy and the fact that he needs to stay away was clipped. The only thing that was clipped was what you thought was going to get me to go away. And here is the fucking funny thing, man. It ain't working. Most of everybody ran with this as a story. They ran with it on their social media accounts because they know without me, they have nothing. And that's why they did what they did. Did I come off insensitive? No, I didn't. I gave you a topical discussion to discuss amongst yourselves. I never, never claimed it to be That's the way it is. I never claimed it to be news. Go back and watch my Thursday's Extra. You'll hear me say that word for word. This wasn't the Triple H story where I'm completely confident what I said this year is exactly what happened. I said that word for word as well. This isn't the Triple H being removed from power because Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard want to take over his fucking brand and make sure that it runs their way. That they set up Triple H for failure. No, 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 no. 
It's not this. It's not anything to do with that type of story. That I was right about. And that I'll fucking, that's the hill I'll die on. I never said anything about Jeff Hardy faking anything. Just like how everybody thinks I said Roman Reigns faked his leukemia. I didn't say that either. But people think so because they clipped 30 seconds of a fucking three-hour podcast. These are people that don't watch my show. These are people that refuse to watch my show. And when I'm right, I want to see how many times people clip when I'm right. It fucking pains these people to the inside and their soul when I'm right. You'll never hear a fucking peep out of these people when when I'm right. And let me tell you something, man. I don't want to stroke my own fucking ego. But I don't think anybody's been more right in this community this year than I have been on this show, on this platform. I've been right on mostly everything. And then I got to get shit for something that I didn't say that got taken out of context because people want me to go away so badly. But the funny thing is, you can clip to your heart's content. You can have Baron Corbin be a fan of your Instagram page. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I take Baron Corbin calling me the dumbest fuck on the face of the earth or one of the dumbest people on the planet as a badge of honor. Who the fuck is Baron Corbin? Baron Corbin is a failed NFL player who failed to make it as a pro wrestler who's got one of the worst gimmicks in pro wrestling. I take that as a badge of honor. I don't give a fuck. The fuck does Baron Corbin's opinion have to do with what I do on this show? Good. Baron Corbin knows who I am. I feel so fucking lucky that Baron Corbin watches off the script. Good. So do many other people. And that's why I'm successful. Because I say shit on here that people don't want to hear. That's why I get the headlines. That's why I get people coming to me and, oh, my God, why'd you say that? I don't give a fuck. I don't know what you guys listen to, but I know for a simple fucking fact, I didn't say Jeff faked anything. Jeff walked into the crowd and I merely used it as a topical discussion with the exact phrase of this is not news. But it's worth discussing. I never said he was under the influence. I never said he was this. I never said he did this or did that. I don't know Jeff Hardy's situation. And quite frankly, I don't give a fuck. That's Jeff's problem. All I can do is correlate to you exactly how I know Jeff feels because I'm feeling it in my own fucking family. And I would never say anything in regards to Jeff like these fucking morons think I said when I have my own fucking family going through the same thing. And I haven't been insensitive to them and their struggles, so why would I be insensitive to Jeff Hardy? Stop listening to the fucking geeks that clip my show. I didn't say anything that is being said about me this weekend. It's not even remotely true. They do the same thing to Meltzer and the same thing to Alvarez in an attempt to cancel them too. Meanwhile, they're on the air every single fucking day. Do they listen to every minute of Dave Meltzer and Wrestling Observer? Of course they don't. 
They listen to something that's got a lot of traction. They clip it. Oh, we got them. And then they post it on social media. They use everybody in the community like me and everybody else doing what I'm doing to try and get ahead, to try and gain some sort of celebrity online. And the funny thing is, I laugh because I look up and down these Twitter feeds and the Twitter trolls and some of these Twitter pages, and when they tweet normally on a day-to-day basis and it has nothing to do with pro wrestling, or even if it has to do with pro wrestling, they get zero reaction. They get zero eyeballs. But when I'm on that page, they get two, three, four thousand likes in a single fucking post. And that's when all the fucking trolls come out of their caves. Oh, we got JD. No, you don't. Because I never said what I said. And what you think I said is, it's not there. It's not there. I stand by what I said because my family's going through the same thing Jeff and his family's going through. So why would I ever, ever come on my platform and be insensitive and say something out of line? Do your fucking research and watch my content before you try and get one over on me. I've made my mistakes in the past, bro. I've made my mistakes in the past. That Alexa Bliss thing, I'll never do that shit again because I know people can't take a fucking joke. Look what happened to Dave Chappelle. A comedian can't even be a comedian anymore. I can't come on here and be a fucking comedian anymore, man. I got to watch what I say and bite my tongue. Especially on Wednesday nights because I don't want to bring my fucking crude humor sometimes on Jesse because he doesn't deserve that either. But I've been very good lately. I haven't said anything out of line I've been strictly pro-wrestling, and I want pro-wrestling to be better. I'm tired of explaining myself to you people. I really am. Watch the fucking content. Stop watching clips that are completely taken out of context because you're looking to get rid of me. It's not going to happen. Maybe you should focus that energy on making the WWE into a better fucking product instead of trying to get rid of me because I'm with you guys at the end of the day. I want the fucking shows to be better. Without me, you wouldn't have half the fucking community asking for a better show. Do your research. Roman Reigns. Reason why Roman Reigns missed Friday's SmackDown. He's not injured. Simply, Roman Reigns was off TV because he went on a planned vacation. Roman Reigns went on a planned vacation and WWE was notified two months in advance. Reigns is expected to be at Friday's episode of SmackDown from Chicago. And at this time, the show will air live in its usual time spot. Now, WWE, uh, I have to make sure you guys know the reason why I say that is because they were air, air a live episode of SmackDown before taping the Christmas Eve edition as well. So they're taping two SmackDowns this coming week. The Christmas Eve edition will be a tape show, and the New Year's Eve edition of SmackDown is going to be a highlight rewind show. So there's no live SmackDown. So I will not be live that Friday. So don't expect an off the script on that day. Roman Reigns was simply off television because of a planned vacation. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar reportedly to have a big ending at day one. I talked about this on Friday's SmackDown post-show. And this is being reported by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. At this point, Reigns and Lesnar are scheduled to be a match designed to have a big match finish that would would leave people wanting another rematch, which at this point would be the WrestleMania main event. Reigns versus Lesnar is likely the biggest match that WWE can currently put on, so having them in the main event match of WrestleMania is not a surprising choice. 
with The Rock rumored for WrestleMania 39. And that's speculation heating up now more that he's come out and revealed his childhood relationship with WWE President Nick Khan. We will likely be seeing Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar feud for the foreseeable future, possibly with Drew McIntyre thrown into the mix. WWE is doing the Lesnar and Reigns thing at day one, and I mentioned there's either two things that are going to happen here. Drew McIntyre is going to get involved in some way, and he's going to get involved. Well, we see Paul Heyman turn on Roman Reigns and join Brock Lesnar again. Then that would set up Roman Reigns to possibly win the Royal Rumble and get back at Roman Reigns, or get back at Brock Lesnar, rather. And Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, that's the way he gets back at both of them by winning the Royal Rumble. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not a big fan of Reigns or Lesnar winning the Royal Rumble. I think the Royal Rumble should be used to put over somebody new and give somebody a spotlight. The Royal Rumble match is honestly looked at as an afterthought, and it's a great vehicle to get people over. Somebody that's had absolutely no momentum at all, the Royal Rumble in one hour can really make or break somebody. But WWE doesn't see it that way. I don't want Reigns or Lesnar to win the Royal Rumble. I said this on Friday. The loser of this match, if there's a title change, is winning the Royal Rumble. I don't want to see Edge win the Royal Rumble. I don't want to see Drew McIntyre win the Royal Rumble. Drew McIntyre is going to get in there by some way. I feel like it's going to be a triple threat match. I would not have Reigns lose the title at all. I would not. I don't know why Reigns needs to lose the title only to win it back at WrestleMania against either Drew McIntyre or Brock Lesnar. We know Reigns and McIntyre is going to be the match. So why would they take the title off Reigns to sell a fucking feud and a storyline with Lesnar aligning with Heyman again only to put it back on Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? Don't you think that's going to stifle all of the momentum that Roman Reigns had? I don't even know why I give a shit about Roman Reigns anymore. The fucking entire run has not done anything but put Roman Reigns at the top of the card, and nobody seems special for it. So why do I care? Why does anybody care? I don't necessarily think Brock Lesnar being the WWE champion is the, or universal champion, rather, or a world champion, for that matter, a good thing. I don't see that as being a good thing. This is going backwards in reverse. We've been through this same old song and dance before. Why would we give Lesnar the title? You know he's not going to be champion for long. He's only got seven or six matches left on his WWE contract. Most of which are going to be against Reigns. So why would you put the title on somebody that clearly is not going to be on television after WrestleMania? It doesn't make sense. The big ending is either Paul Heyman turning on Reigns or Drew McIntyre causing some sort of big fucking faux pas at the end of that match, and then he's involved going into WrestleMania season. That's what I think is going to happen. It's going to be Reigns, Lesnar, and McIntyre in a triple threat match at WrestleMania. I would be fucking shocked if that's not the if that's not the case. WWE NXT on Tuesday night. One of the worst ratings of all time for NXT. But Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon are doing so great with the show. NXT drew 590,000 viewers, which is down from the 637,000 live viewers the show did a week ago. This is according to Brandon Thurston of Russellnomics. The rating in the 18 to 49 demo was a 0.11. The show did a 0.15 rating one week ago. This tied the lowest key demo rating the show has done on USA Network since moving to the station in 2019. This does not count the shows that aired on Sci-Fi Network. NXT set this record last month. 
It ranked number 48 in the top 150 shows on cable for the night. And that is down from number 34 a week ago. NXT is not good. It's not good. And even Bronson Reed, even Bronson Reed agrees. So, man, the former Bronson Reed, now Jonah, was interviewed by Fightful. Jonah was asked if he watches NXT 2.0 since he left. I watch bits and pieces. I try to support my friends like Duke Hudson, Indy Hartwell, Persia Perota, Grayson Waller, and all the Australians. I always support those guys. And I still have other friends that I've made there that I always watch, but I don't particularly enjoy it. I mean, I understand what they're trying to do and the direction they're going in. I think the thing I like least about it is that Hunter had such a vision for what NXT was, and that whole vision is now gone, especially after the last TakeOver show. Well, what seems to be the end of the black and gold? It's just disheartening because the guys that were there for that era were so much trying to make it a third brand and to make it something different. When I was there wrestling, I was a huge pro wrestling fan, and I love WWE. I love what they do, but I saw Raw and SmackDown as their entertainment shows, and I saw NXT as the pro wrestling show. Now NXT is just another entertainment show. You know, I, I read this, and I ask myself, or, or I would love to ask Jonah, tell me Triple H is not in charge without telling me Triple H is not in charge. That's his answer. That's the answer he would give me. Triple H is in charge, says all of the fucking blithering idiots online. No, he's not. I will die in that situation on that hill with my fucking Braves cap fucking planted in the ground. Jonah says, I think the thing I liked least about it is that Hunter had such a vision. If Hunter had such a vision, where did said vision go? It got abolished. Whose vision is it now? It's Bruce Pritchard's and Vince McMahon's vision. I don't want to watch it anymore, he says. The whole vision is now gone, especially after the last takeover show, which seems to be the end of the black and gold. It's an entertainment show. Has Hunter done entertainment on NXT? The way Raw and SmackDown have? No. The only people in WWE that do entertainment are the fucking old fucks on the main roster, who are now running Tuesday night. I watch bits and pieces. You're barely watching bits and pieces, and it still sucks. Every bit of it sucks. Fucking Braun Breaker and Tony D'Angelo and Imperium. You know, there are a couple of bright spots, a couple of bright spots. The majority of the show is just fucking unwatchable. It's a fucking comedy show. It's an extension of Monday Night Raw. It's Monday Night Raw light on Tuesday night. Rampage. Ratings are in for the 12-3 show. 499,000 viewers. That is a 0.18 rating in the 18-49 to 49 demographic on TNT. That's in the 10 p.m. time slot. The show did 431,000 viewers in a 0.18 rating the week prior. Rampage was ranked number 16 in the top 150 shows on cable for the 12-3 show. It is up from the previous week of 12, uh, or actually it was uh, up the previous week from number 17. Rampage, you know, Rampage was excellent this past Friday. Hook had an amazing debut. Shout out to Hook and Taz. Fantastic. And we had a great tag team match with FTR and the Lucha Brothers. Lucha Brothers are going to be in House of Glory in February. Can't wait to call their match again. They are such 
an energetic tag team, man. The House of Glory Arena does not feel anything like it usually does when the Lucha Brothers are there, man. It is amped up to a fucking maximum. Holy shit. Um, but Rampage was really good on Friday. And I'm tired of talking about Rampage being the death of AEW. It's an extension of dark. And until Rampage is moved off off of Friday night and moved on to either a Saturday, primetime, 8 p.m., or Thursday or Tuesday, right? At 8 p.m., live. It's a live show every week. I don't think Rampage is going to be what we want it to be. So right now, just enjoy it for what it is. It's the quickest one hour of television. Just enjoy it. It's using... The talent that doesn't get a shot on Dynamite, and they're using that talent to get over on Rampage. It's very simple. Dynamite. Dynamite drew 872,000 live viewers, up from 861. 18 to 49 demographic did a 0.33. That was up from a 0.31. That's according to Showbuzz Daily. Dynamite ranked number five in the cable top 150 shows. That is down from number three the previous week. Winter is coming. World title match with Brian Danielson and Adam Hangman Page, I'm assuming they get close to a million on Wednesday. It is a huge theme show with a huge match, possibly the biggest match of the month. So people will be watching AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. No question. And Jesse and I will be here to cover it all on Wednesday Night Live on Off the Script. And finally, guys, health update on Chris Jericho. Jericho was hospitalized in Wales. Ahead of a Fozzie concert, Meltzer was able to get a quote from Jericho on a situation. Jericho reportedly said, I'm feeling good. They just wanted me to stay overnight in the hospital and observe me. I'm in the right place. It is not COVID-related. Jericho added, tour has been amazing, 100% sold out, and crowds have been absolutely nuts. The promoter for the show in Wales issued a statement on Instagram uh, right before the show. Chris was checked into a hospital by doctors with a non-COVID-related issue, treatable health issue. Regrettably, the show on Friday... Is canceled and all tickets will be refunded. We will have updates on Saturday's show in Nottingham and Sunday's show in London as soon as possible. So the tour is continuing. I believe they're scheduled to be in England on 12-11 and 12-12. So tonight, they should have another concert. Jericho's back on the road with Fozzie, and it was a non-COVID-related issue. I'm glad he's healthy. Probably, probably just the rigors of the road, exhausted, dehydrated, you know, maybe a little bit too much of the bubbly. Who knows? Who knows? Jericho says it's not a COVID-related issue. We are to respect and appreciate Jericho for what he does and respect his privacy. If he says it's not a COVID-related issue, it's not a COVID-related issue. He'll be back on the road with Fozzie, and hopefully he's back on Dynamite very, very soon, as I'm excited to see where he goes with Eddie Kingston and 2.0. That is it, guys. That is all I got. We're off the script this Sunday evening. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that, man. And hopefully uh, I will have no more negative backlash on my Jeff Hardy takes. Seriously. I need you guys to understand that it got taken out of context. And I can say anything and feel anything and think anything I want on my show, man. I was in the boundaries of respect. And I also added that I don't think Jeff Hardy would have went out there impaired on WWE's watch. Do you know how strict they are about these fucking things? Everything is micromanaged in this company. Why would Jeff Hardy go out there and be impaired? If so, the producer of said match would have already been terminated. So 
of Jeff Hardy and this source was not impaired and this source says he wasn't impaired, then he wasn't impaired. Let it die. But I'm given or I am in my boundaries or within my boundaries to think whatever the fuck I want. It's a topical discussion and I was within the boundary of respect. Okay? That's all I said. Never once did I say he faked anything. We're going to go over the Super Chats, man. Got a lot of them coming in. Appreciate you guys. Also, follow me on social media before you guys do that. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. And check out my sponsor for today's show, man. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. Raw sucks with a 499 super chat. I love the name, bro. You're the best of what you do. Ignore the haters. Seanster with a $2 super chat. Tonight's special will be pub burgers with cheese. Sounds good, man. Titus got some excellent burgers. I'm more of a Swiss provolone or American cheddar type of guy, man. Chris with a 499 super chat. Happy 400th episode of Off the Script. I have an ice cold Corona in my hand. Cheers to you, brother, and another 400 more. Hashtag OTS 400. Thank you, Chris. Always appreciate you in the venue. Hulagrim with a $20 super chat. You are like family to me, and to see how far this channel's come since I joined is beyond inspirational. Don't know what I'd have done the last seven years if I have not found you. Congrats on 400 episodes. Love you, man. OTS for life. Hologram, thank you for being here every single stream, bro. I know, I know you don't have to do it, but you opt to do it. It doesn't go unnoticed. Boot Media and I see it. My whole team sees it. Thank you to you. To Rage, to Edgar, to JLD, all you guys, man. I love my mods, and thank you for being a part of my family, bro. Thank you. Susan D'Ambrosio with a $5 Super Jack. Congrats on your 400, 400th episode, JD. Thanks for doing what you do. I'm Wiser Wrestling. Uh, I'm a Wiser Wrestling fan because of your channel. It's all I aim to do, Susan. If you take one thing that I said on this show and apply it to you when you watch, I've done my job. Fujin's Henry with a 499 Super Chat. Happy Corbin is a manscaped reject. OTS for life and long-term hooking. Long-term hooking, man. Everybody's a hooker now. You believe people even criticize me for being a hooker? I don't know where people got it in their heads that I ever criticized Hook, man. I've only, only, only joked about his fan base. In a very fun-loving way with Jesse. And Jesse knows that. I didn't know anything about Hook. I was waiting to see him wrestle just like everybody else. And I was very impressed just like everybody else, man. I didn't go overboard like some of the check marks did to fucking sell their excitement and show their excitement. All I needed was one tweet. And it did get the attention of Taz. Shout out to Taz, man. He's done a great job with Hook. Fantasy Kid 1977 with a $10 Super Chat. What's good, JD? Wanted to show some love on the 400th episode. Been watching since Bray, Seth, Helen, and Cell. Keep up the good work, bro. 
Thank you, bro. What an awful hell in a cell that match was, huh? Pedro Peralta with a 499 Super Chat. Two Modelos and four shots in. Been around the channel since 2015. Listening to your podcast helped me get through my work days. My favorite podcast. Thank you, brother. Kev. Listen, bro. You better be at the at the House of Glory show when fucking your boy Cross makes his HOG debut, bro. It's coming. Oh my god, it's coming, man. I can tell you right now. This is not a prediction. This is a spoiler. And I gotta admit, bro, listen, Kev, uh, I said something very positive to Cross. One of those vignettes he did, he was like in a dark setting. He was like speaking very like eloquently. And I commented to him, I said, you know, there's not many people in the industry that perfect their body language and facial expressions like you do. I always appreciate the lengths you go to to really sell this type of stuff. You're fantastic in it, and I can't wait to see what's coming next for you. He gave me the metal horns, bro. That's all I needed to know that he's cool. You know, I can't wait to see what he does, man. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna do good things. I, I, they fucking botched him so bad, bro. They botched him so bad. Ah, uh, fantasy kid. Thank you, bro. Pedro, thank you, bro. Hula Grim with a $5 super chat. Hogs, pay-per-views are the best 15 bucks a wrestling fan could spend for what you're having. Having live chat is so good. Hog feels like AEW's version of Triple H's NXT. I'm happy to hear that, Kev. I'm glad he. Uh, I'm glad he's not going to give me a fucking uh, Fujiwara armbar or a Saito suplex when I when he sees me. Um, Hologram, thank you, bro. Yeah, the the Hog Show on Fight, man. I'm not big on Fight TV. Last night's show was uh, it wasn't smooth by any means. We we barely pulled it off. The production could have been a lot better. The vignettes played in the arena on the big screen and they weren't being shot through the stream, which sucks. I know that. I don't know how my commentary came off, so if you could tell me how I sounded and how Jason sounded, you know, I appreciate your opinion. Were we on? Did we sell the show right? Did we talk about the storylines right? Were we exciting enough? I had one fucking geek say, oh, JD's the worst commentary I've ever heard. Fuck you, man. Clearly not the... Clearly not the case at all, but again, nobody realizes the effort that Jason and I put into it, man. Nobody. They think it's easy. Um, Zach R with a 999 super chat. Congrats on 400 episodes, JD. The show is awesome. Hog was great, and y'all killed it on commentary. There you go. Thank, thank you, Zach R. Thank you, Zach R. Philip Newton with a 499 Super Chat. Ring of Honor, Final Battle, and Hog. Excellent pay-per-views. Tony Khan is doing a lot for, for professional wrestling. No doubt the Briscoes will be in AEW. I appreciate the kind words, guys. I appreciate the kind words. And Stu Fahey, I see you, bro. Yes, Josh Matthews is the worst. Yes. 
I don't know. How, you know, the thing with those headsets, I can't. I, I can't really understand how loud I could yell. I don't know if it, if I yell too loud, it's gonna kind of crackle. But I don't know. Yeah, the amount of work that goes into it, man, it's it's crazy. You know, Jason was very prepared for the show. I was very prepared for the show. You gotta got to talk to the guys before the show, see what they need, say what they want. It's it's tough, man. It's very stressful. Um, Thank you, Zach R. Thank you, Philip. Big 4L199 Super Chat. Wee-hee! The uh, Strowman Express is stopped in Ring of Honor. And you know what, man? We're over the Strowman Express. Hopefully he does good things. Strowman's going to do good things, man, wherever he goes. He's still got a, a lot of name value and value in general. If he goes to the right place, he's going to be a valuable asset. Guardian of Chaos with a 1999 Superjack. Congrats on 400. I'm looking forward to 500 milestone already. Fair, firm, and consistent. Mahalo, bro. Merry Christmas to all in the IWC. Thank you, Guardian. Always, always appreciate you. Kev, the next House of Glory show is January 14th. It's an all-women show. That might pique your interest. Women's tournament, one-night tournament to crown our new House of Glory Women's Champion. Ace of Productions, 499 Super Chat. Did you see the debut at Ring of Honor for the T-T-T-Titan? <laughs> and the crowd goes mild. Can you do the train noises, please, JD? Listen, man, wherever Braun goes, I wish him the best. Anthony Olivares with a $10 Super Chat. Hey, yo, Hog was incredible last time. Your commentary is amazing. Keep it up. Good work, brother. Thank you, bro. Kairos with a $5 Super Chat. Yo, JD, it's not often I get to catch these OTA shows live, but when I do, a Super Chat must be sent. Keep up the good work. I appreciate you, Kairos. Thank you so much, man. My boy James with a $10 Super Chat. Jerry, I was in with you and Salamonster, Hulugrim. John and some others from the OTS fan were strong in the chat. I had to go to bed before the last two matches. Watch them this morning and final battle. Pro wrestling. Yeah, the Buddy Matthews and, uh, and Malachi Black match got cut off a little bit, so I don't know how much of the commentary was shown. Hulagram, how much of the commentary came in, man? I'm hearing somebody in production told me most of the match was cut and only the three minutes towards the end was, was there. I know we missed the entrances. That's when the blackout happened, but how much of the match did we actually get to commentate live? Prodigy RKO with a $20 Super Chat. Much love to you and the OTS family. JD, 400 episodes might be hitting up AEW in the new year for the TBS era. Any thoughts on their future and Ring of Honor contracts? Uh, Ring of Honor is going to have a major influence in AEW in 2022. And I do think that uh, you should hit up AEW in the new year, man. The TBS era is going to be... Very special. I feel like AEW is going to be transforming itself yet again in 2022. See that uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to do go back and do the, the commentary over that match again. Most missed most of the match due to the blackout. That's crazy. That sucks, man. Uh, Cam G with a $10 super chat. Hey, Jay, just wanted to say you're an inspiration to the IWC. Thank you for your awesome content. Keep pushing out the harsh truth to these haters. OTS for life. I appreciate you, Cam G. 
Trey Van Garrick with a 499 Super Chat. Corbin is the bum who took Cameron Grimes' great millionaire gimmick and ruined it right away, not wishing anything, but how is he still employed? I don't know. Baron Corbin can kiss my ass, man. He's got one of the worst gimmicks in all of pro wrestling. It's a fucking joke. The Greater Good with a $2 Super Chat. Who wants to see Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? I don't. Ham G with another $5 Super Chat. Not that it matters now, but just out of curiosity, how would you book Liv Morgan? I just told you how I would book her. She should have won the title on, on Monday. Dave G, or uh, not, uh, actually not Dave, Dave D becomes a new member. Thank you, bro. Kid Bonnet Camera, thank you, V50, brother. I always appreciate you. And, and continued luck and success on your channel, bro, as always. DJ Lundy, DX Tricksters, thank you for the new memberships. Tricksters with a six-month re-up. I want to say congrats on OTS 400. I was here since OTS 200, and I'm here for 400. I will be here for 600, 800, 1,000. OTS for life. Fuck the haters. Thank you, bro. As always, man, thank you so much. And Lundy, what are you drinking, bro? Thank you for the membership. Crimson Caper with a Canadian $5 Super Chat. What about Johnny Rumble Gargano winning it all? Just a thought. It's a possibility. Jesse actually said that to me a couple days ago. He thinks Johnny Gargano is a possibility for the Royal Rumble. If that's the case, I'd love to see it. You got no complaints out of me, man. Johnny Wrestling in the main event of WrestleMania? Sign me up. Tyler B. with a $5 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Congrats on episode 400. As long as you are here doing a banger show, after a banger show, I'll be here OTS for life. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Travis Drum with the $10 Super Chat. Love the show, JD. Corbin is a geek. His gimmick is trash. OTS for life. Yeah, Corbin is uh, a major geek, bro. Tony Cody is all elite. Alec Ivers, Buddy Matthews, great match last night at Hog. Yeah, for those that were there that saw it. How many of you guys ordered the show and got blacked out? Mr. Zacky Boy with a UK $5 Super Chat. Congrats on 400 episodes. Quick question. What was the best and worst pay-per-views you ever witnessed in WWE history? December to dismember that final ECW branded WWE show and King of the Ring 1993 ECW one night stand 2005 and 2006 those are my shows man PP boy P with a UK $5 super chat been watching from the UK for three years now congrats for 400 bro OTS for life I appreciate you man thank you PP Akachi Ra with a $5 Super Chat. Happy 400 day. Thank you, Mr. Ra. Sean Watkins with a membership for five months. Screw Corbin and screw all the haters that always had something to say. Negative about OTS. We all stand with you, JD. So keep grinding. You better believe I'll keep grinding, bro. I ain't going anywhere. Jake Coyle with a UK $4 Super Chat. Congrats on 400 episodes, JD. Congrats on 400. Dedication pays off. 
Thank you, Jay. Shayla. Says Shayla is a new member and then Shayla re-upped for 11 months. Which is it? Shayla is uh, a VIP here, man. I know Shayla's been a VIP here. Nice to be VIP again. Great show last night. And tonight, congrats on 400. What are you drinking, Shayla? Don't tell me H2O. Sean Watkins with a, another 499 Super Chat. Sorry, I forgot to leave a tip. OTS for life. Thank you, Sean. The Tribal Chief with a Canadian $5 Super Chat. Sorry for what you had to go through, JD. Can't believe Sports Kita titled you as controversial. I don't mind the controversial hashtag, man. Controversy creates cash, said Eric Bischoff. Daryl. Daryl, Daryl, Daryl with a fucking absolute bomb. $400 super chat by my boy and absolute fucking... Oh, he owns the fucking venue as far as I'm concerned, man. This guy's got stock in the OTS venue, man. Daryl with a $400 super chat, man. Holy shit. Here's an OTS Sith Negan bomb to match the number of episodes. It is a crime that there are so many and will continue to be so many blithering no-brain idiots that will never understand what you do and will continue to do so. And that's being the undisputed truth in both the IWC, YWC, professional wrestling communities. Take care always. Brother, if you're at one of these shows in any town that we are in, you better fucking be there, man. You got a, a nice steak dinner, and if you indulge in a cold beverage or two, me and my fucking team are going to take you out, man, and fucking wine and dine you, bro. That is incredibly generous to you, man. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much, man. Tribal Chief, thank you, bro. Uh, listen, I don't mind the controversial title. Controversy creates cash. I didn't get here by being a fucking shill. If I can create some controversy in a good way, I will continue to do that. Linda Carter with a $10 super chat. In my opinion, I still think Sony Deville has potential to become a megastar if WWE gave her a legit opportunity. Good in the ring, on the mic, confident, and she's believable. If they just let her work. I agree, Linda. I absolutely agree about Miss Sony Deville. I think Sony's got a great look. In fact, Sonya was doing some great things when she was feuding with Mandy Rose during the pandemic, man. That's when they were really brought to a nice spot on the, the roster in the SmackDown Women's Division. Sony was doing some great work, and Mandy was, she was growing that, that nice, tough attitude, you know? But now Mandy's doing her thing with Toxic Attraction. I mean, it is what it is. It's kind of a take on that, but it's more beauty than in-ring. And Sonya... I don't think WWE's going to let Sony get in the ring and really prove to us what she can do. WWE's going to minimize her role and has done so, and they're going to continue to do that. Angel Hernandez with a new membership in the venue. Thank you, Angel. Appreciate you, bro. What are you drinking? Adam Johnston with a Canadian $5 Super Chat. No message. 
But then he leaves another $5 super chat. He says, happy 400th OTS episode from Winnipeg, Canada. All the best. Been listening since 2017. Adam Johnston, thank you so much, brother. We got a new membership from the Wild Demon 23. What are you drinking, bro? The Wild Demon becomes a VIP in the venue. Thank you so much, man. And slimed you out with a $4.99 super chat. Wouldn't let me say F those other guys, but always speak your mind, JD. You got to tell them, Hulk Hogan, we coming for you. Hashtag DMD needs no glove with me. Oh, my goodness. Slimed you out. Thank you so much for the $5 super chat, man. Appreciate you guys. That is everything I got, man. That is everything I got. We are about to get the hell out of here, man. You guys know me. You guys know me, man. It is Sunday night. I need a cold beverage and I need some pasta in my belly. Because that's exactly what's on the menu tonight. It's exactly what's on the menu this evening, man. Mad Action becomes a new member in the venue. I see you, bro. You're showing up on my uh, on my Mustang dashboard, bro. Appreciate you. What are you drinking, man? Better get your orders in, man. The bar the bar's closing up. East is in Puerto Rico. Had a bad bunny concert. So Jesse's gonna have to serve you your beverage, man. You better get there, otherwise uh, he may spit in your drink. You know the type of bartender he is, man. Jesus fucking Christ. Nobody wants Jesse as their bartender. Let me tell you. Guy who thinks he could cook a better taco than me. Give me a fucking break. Fuck out of here. Anyway, man. I'm about to get out of here. And I will see you guys back on Monday during Raw for the post show right here on Off the Scripts. Thank you for all your support. Thank you to Daryl for that major $400 super chat. Thank you to everybody that super chatted. Thank you to the seven new members tonight. You guys made my night, man. You guys showed up big for episode 400. Jesse East is in Puerto Rico, bro. Listen, go to her fucking Instagram page, man. She went to a Bad Bunny concert with friends, family, and Damian Priest. She met Damian Priest at the fucking venue, bro. I don't know. Of all people, she sees Damian Priest in the fucking venue. Believe that? Unbelievable. Anyway, guys, I'll see you for Monday Night Raw. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Continue to hit that join button even when the venue is closed, man. Even when the venue is closed, continue to hit that join button. VIP room is the place to be. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout for your free sample. Continue to support the sponsors because they always, always support off the script. Go get your t-shirts as well. Bonfire.com, the exclusive home of off the script. And make sure you guys hit that thumbs up as well. Continue to hit that thumbs up and support the podcast. Guys, I'm getting out of here. I need two things. Jesse, I'm not repeating what you said in the chat. Uh, Listen, I need two things from you. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. And number two, 
for all my VIPs. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. And then I need those music. Oh, that music. Those tunes on Max. I'll see you guys on Monday Night Raw for the post show. Right here on Off The Script. Until then, have a great Sunday night. And I'll see you back live in the venue for Raw. Thank you guys so much.